th this is not something that you can boat your way to like eventually they'll be like all right no no you know what guys keep them sorry sorry about that yeah exactly. it's always going to be a march towards more so really yeah. what we're going to have to enter is this kind of era of uh, of culture where it's a non-compliance culture you know oh, yeah Come on, dude. You say that gets me hard, right? That's really what it is. It's going to be mass no complaints. You're listening to the Art and War podcast with your host, Mitch and Nathan. Mitch is a former airborne infantry squad leader who now spends most of his time coaching soccer. Nathan is a professional illustrator and an avid shooter with a couple of years of Canadian military experience. Together, they run the Seaburn Art page. Enjoy the show. All right. Apparently, we're, we're finally rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, only nice. took five tries, and you're still not wearing pants. I see. Well, um, <laughs> that, that just that just means he's ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. I have, I, have, I have a really dumb fucking story. No, uh, uh, Br, you go ahead. It looks. Like I was gonna say, let, let let me do like five seconds of intro, and then you can do whatever the hell you're gonna do. But <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm Br, joined today with uh, Nathan, co-hosting, and we have the Wardall all the way from Canada. What's up, Bruce? Thanks for having me, homies. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So <laughs> I gotta hold on a sec before we start. I gotta make fun of Nathan because uh, when we were trying to set this up, I said we'll do we'll do sixteen hundred MST. I don't know if you I, told Bobby about this. You're like, buddy, ah, that's like ten o'clock for me. And I'm like, where are you guys recording from? This? <laughs> you got like a layer on the Atlantic Ocean, some kind of like fucking boat you're recording off of, or this is I, Art I, and War podcast broadcasting live from it, it, it's part radio. Yeah. <laughs> or somewhere I'm, in Russia or something. I was like, what fucking time is it there? He's just in hell. My Halifax. brain just did not work. I, I don't know why. I just unmathed that horribly. Oh, um, you're from out east, so you're probably on the screech first thing in the morning too, right? So <laughs> you yeah, break. we know how it is out there. We, we have to get him in and out. He's, uh, he's got an early shift, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This no, is not the first time this has happened. No, See, our, time, uh, our time zones are fucked. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually just confused as to why I'm not hearing a super thick Easterner accent. Larry Tanner and by, you just sound like your average regular, uh, like, Canadian white dude. What's going on? Are you, so, so you guys <laughs> give me a bit of your like, like, what, what, what's, uh, what's your car. scoop? What, yeah, what's there you go. Scoop? Yeah, are you from there? Like, oh yeah, dude, born and raised, born and raised. Um, okay, yeah, kind of yeah. like inner city, book. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair so enough. I, I kind of it, it comes out like when I, I'm in America, especially, or when I, you know, get yeah. into the screech. My East yeah, Coast yeah. comes out a little bit coast. Um, yeah. But no, I, I can't say it's it's not that thick. You know, you you put me next to a Torontonian, and you're going to hear it, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm hearing a little bit of it. I'm hearing a little bit of it. I was yeah. just expecting like Liar Tundra and by and all sorts of like you talk <laughs> it's, instead of bottles as bottles. You know how it yeah. is. You know how it is. <laughs> I want to bring like a Newfoundlander onto the show at some point. Yeah, and yeah you're yeah. just going to get like two hours of fucking gibberish. Yeah, no, dude, the Americans have no idea what they <laughs> truly sound like. Like the urban folks, right? Like it's yeah. a violent accent. It's just like <laughs> they start talking more sensical and it's actually more enunciated and, and recognizable when they're drinking, to be honest. Uh, ask me how I know I got a bunch of friends from uh, out east, but uh, that's all right. We'll bring it out of you, buddy. We'll bring it out of you. 
Hell yeah. No, we, we are definitely the, in this kind of space, like tactical shit, we are definitely yeah. the podcast of messy accents. Like, yeah, you, know, accents. you have like no idea everyone, what you're going to hear. Everyone else is fucking American. And it's great, don't get me wrong. It's no, no, no. We, we, we've, had, we've had a German on. We've had, like... Victim oh, okay. Henry. Victim, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. she? She's a Bulgarian. Yeah, Bulg- oh, okay. so we've had German, Bulgarian, yeah. my fucked she, up British Florida, accent. No yeah, so hold yeah. on, we'll come back to you, Bobby. You are, <laughs> what are you? What are all right, you? All right, all right, all right. So, so I, yeah, we, we got freedom refugees from all over. I'm, uh, okay, yeah. I, I'm a runaway Brit who's now in the southwest of the you're, U.S. So. British through and through. I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. I, I always apologize I, when people are like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, Britain, unfortunately. They're like, oh, yeah. why unfortunately? Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my brother, I will pray for you. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. pre- there's you there's no curing it. It's lifelong. Yeah. I'm stuck with yeah. this. But, so yeah. you based like in Canada cell too, cell no, hell no. No, okay. no, no, no. I wouldn't yeah. move from England to Canada. I moved from England to uh, to Arizona. So. Oh, okay, nice. Smart move. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, dude, smart move, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you... Are you planning on uh, staying in the, the motherland up north or, or uh, how, how have recent recent things got you, mate? You know, that's a, that's a great question, Bobby. Let me tell you, <laughs> things are dire up here, as I'm sure Nathan can attest to. Oh, it's, uh, it's bad, man. Like I, So I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, Bobby. I always tell people, unfortunately, I was born in Edmonton, right, which is kind of oh. like the asshole of Alberta. I'll say it, man. It's just a fucking dump. <laughs> It's yeah, just, but at it, least like you're you're speaking to, to someone from England, you're speaking to someone from fucking Nova Scotia. As yeah. far as things go, Edmonton's basically like many, many steps up. Uh, yeah, as far as far as assholes go. Is it is it though? No, I was born in Edmonton, lived there for I think eleven years, and then kind of just been a gypsy around rural central Alberta, but yeah, to answer your question, man, things are getting hairy. I mean, I'm not like I've listened to a couple of your guys' podcasts. You seem to be in the know in terms of like the bureaucratic government, you know, what's going on in legislature, all that shit. I kind of stopped following that in May of 2020 because look where playing by the rules got us kind of yeah. thing. Right? I know for sure. I won't say too much more about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it's bad. I mean, it's funny even to see uh, you guys probably know Carrie Price came out and made that post. I think it was last week. And oh, it's that, funny. That's a CFR person, right? Yeah. I think he made a post basically saying like, Hey, I'm a responsible gun owner hunter. And you know, I support the CCFR and, and obviously received a lot of backlash for it, but it's funny, man, because that post really summarizes the culture of Canada my yeah. first thought when I read that was, where the fuck were you in May of 2020? Like, did you just think they would stop at ARs and all the scary <laughs> looking guns, which, by the way, the bullet comes out of the end of the barrel at the same fucking speed as everything else, right? And But that's really reflective of the culture here is nobody really truly understands what firearms are supposed to be for. And I don't want to, like, attack the IPSC guys, right? Because I get it. Like, there's a lot of people that do sports shooting, and that's fine. But a volleyball or a basketball, that was made for sports, right? A firearm yeah. was made to kill human beings. And you can use it for a sport, and that's fine, but that's not what it was fucking made for, man. Like yeah. in the ninth century AD, when the Tang Dynasty discovered uh, gunpowder, 
what do you think they were using it for, boys? Right? They were using it for bombs. Well, they, they, they were using it for precision shooting. They were using it for three gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this right? would be really great for sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're absolutely right about the the sport thing, and kind of relying on the whole sport and hunting argument is the reason we're in the place we are right now. Trying yeah, to make exactly. justifications for why we do what we do is why we're in the place right now. It's the same thing that the NRA had. It's like, oh, you know. <laughs> You can you can you know use this to hunt thirty to fifty feral hogs. Yeah. Once you start making bullshit fucking justifications, is why you know it, it gives the the other side ammunition to say, oh well, you don't actually need that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're absolutely right, man. Because I mean, you could make those arguments like you don't need a semi-automatic for hunting. Well, I mean, if the purpose of these firearms and, and my ability to own them is for hunting, then I mean, technically, I don't need a semi-automatic for hunting. I've been a hunter. I've been hunting relatively new to it, only about four or five years now, but you don't need a semi-auto to hunt. But then like the crux of it, the foundation of the argument is what is the purpose of firearms? And, and don't get me wrong. Like I love this nation. I love Canada. I love its people. It's fighting heritage. Uh, but there's something foundationally that we don't understand about the right to bear arms. And, and I'll kind of put it this way. If I get pulled over by the police, right? I'm speeding. I'm doing a buck 80. What you know how it is. Right. And I, I get pulled over. They want to issue me a ticket. Right. And I, if I get belligerent, if I get non-compliant, they're going to use force against me to implement these laws. Right. And so most people understand that what's keeping us as a law abiding civil society is the threat of force. Right. And so when it applies to politicians, the stakes are higher because these guys aren't just, going over the speed limit. These guys have an Im- immense amount of power and control over our lives. And so where is the threat of force or power balance as it relates to that? Well, the Americans understand it's a well-regulated militia. But here we have no fucking clue what that means or why it's important. And no one's opened up a history book, which is ironic because everyone talks about the atrocities of, of America. But I mean, it was the RCMP that rounded up the Japanese and threw them into internment camps in the Kootenays sold their fucking homes and their businesses to pay for their internment. Mind you, all these places they sent them to had no power, no running water. It was, it was worse than a concentration camp because at least in some of these camps you get fed maybe once a day. Right. But we don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. And we're in a situation now where Carrie Price comes out and says, Hey, this is for hunting and I want it. It's like, well, that argument's not going to take you too far. And, uh, it's just not going to end well, right? No, like people are people are arguing from a place of like 10 years behind where we're at, at least, exactly. if not 15, 20. And it's like, dude, you should have been talking like twice as extreme as this 20, yeah. 30 years ago. Like yeah, you, you, you sold out the next generation before we were even here to kind of, you know, like know what's up. And it's like, oh, now we're fighting from even less of a position because yeah. you guys just, oh. you know, let it all wash away. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it, man. The example I always throw, you know, people who I'll have, you know, spirited discussions with people I know in person. And the example I always like to use is the Oka crisis, which has come up a couple times on the podcast. It's my favorite because it's like, you know, you don't have to argue from like a a conservative spot for gun rights. Like it's it's just blatant, like authority and liberty. Like you don't have to go left or right with it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's there is a boot and there are the people. And the boot is always going to try and crush the people. That's just human nature. Human nature, man. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, the Oka crisis, like it's so spot on for 
you know, because in Canada, banning AKs and stuff because the natives got rowdy with government and kind of embarrassed them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that position comes up where push comes to shove and civilians can stand their ground, it's a problem that needs correcting from the boot's point of view. Doesn't matter who's in charge, the boot will always be there. Well, hopefully not, but the boot will always be there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's interesting, man. It's... And I mean, even to, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was one of the, I believe he was the, like the sniper team lead of Justin Trudeau's personal security detail. I don't know. You guys have probably heard that story, right? I can't remember his name, but he ended up quitting because of all these vax mandates, all these, all the basic bullshit that's currently going on. Did you guys hear about any of this? I didn't hear about the sniper. Okay, yeah, so he's basically like a top-notch dude at the peak of his career, right? He was part of the ERT team, RCMP, and he actually, as I mentioned, was part of Trudeau's personal security detail as a sniper. Uh, He quit his job over all this tyrannical bullshit, and he has a pretty interesting speech where he basically says, you know, it was the RCMP as well that removed First Nations kids from their homes to send them, you know, to the residential schools right and i mean there's a whole debate there as to whether or not the church was using the state or the state was using the church or is even a fucking difference right but i mean that's that's kind of where we're at again culturally where we're not looking at the past we're not looking at the mistakes we've made and i mean the only way you're going to get wisdom the only way you're going to understand how to move forward in a good direction is by looking at the past and not to sound like an old man but nobody reads anymore bro like i'm (laughs) Like, it, it, like I'm 32 years old, right? That's a small period of time for, for, for life. That's a small amount of knowledge, wisdom. Like I can't gain a lot in 32 years. Like that's a small window in the grand scheme of things, right? But when you read, you're taking knowledge and wisdom from dead men from generations and, and you know, multiple generations, thousands of years. I mean, you look at the Bible, for example. I'm sure you guys have perused my page. You know I'm pretty religious, right? I mean, you've got 6,000 years of generational knowledge and wisdom there. And so the problem, again, not to sound like an old man, but if we as a society are not encouraging the next generation to read and to get wisdom from these older generations, all we know is this small bubble of our own personal existence, right? Yeah. And so there's no concern about violence or tyrannical government because, hey, in my 30 years of living, that's never happened. Therefore, it could never happen. Yeah. Right? It's like, well... I don't know, man. If you open a history book, like the greatest atrocities were not committed by religious groups or rogue entities. They were committed on, they were committed by governments on their own people. Yeah. Like exclusively, man. And, and it's just, it's interesting because, you know, I've got this feature on my phone and it gives me, you know, last year or two years ago on this day, there was this picture and it was a screenshot of the government of Alberta letting me know about the new regulations that said I can't have worship services in my own private residence. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it's funny because, A, we kind of not forget about what happened in the last couple of years, but, B, it's like, man, these these are things that, you know, as the water in, you know, slowly begins to boil for the frog that is us, if we don't have a reference of history, man, we're just going to be like, this is normal, right? You've seen that meme with that dog in the house. Yeah, yeah, that. this is it's fine. Just, this is fine, right? And that's that's the situation we're in now. It's pretty dire, but that's no, I, some, I, something I find really interesting. Because, um, and I, I pose this question to a lot of people, and I don't know if I've done it on the show before, but 
think about, you know, you, where you're sitting five years ago, three years ago, again, and would you, in that case, knowing everything that you know now about the last three years, think that we are living in dystopia or not? Mm, that's a great because question. I, I think that the, the me of 2017, 2018, 2019, I wouldn't believe you. For, for no, one. legit. All, all I'd be like, you're making some shit up. You're making some shit up. And uh, I would think that we live in hell. <laughs> yeah, well, fair point. You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's a great question, man. So uh, it's hard to say, but you know what? I'm kind of different than your average citizen, we'll call it, because just a brief history about me. So my grandfather came from Poland when he was nine years old. So his dad, so my great-grandfather, John, came over in, uh, I believe it was 37, worked underground in a mine, saved up enough money to bring the rest of the family over. So I grew up with you know, my grandfather and all the stories basically of a man that had the front row seat to the destruction of Europe, basically. And so I was raised on that. And so when I have these, you know, conversations with people, a lot of people on the internet, they like to argue, like to talk and they're like, oh, you watch the rebel news or you've been uh, radicalized for a lack of a better term by the right wing media. I was like, no, man, I've been radicalized by history. Like I grew up I grew up on, on, again, my grandfather's stories, and I grew up watching war documentaries. And, and so if you're, you know, ask me five years from now how I view things, it certainly has accelerated. Like things have gotten pretty outrageous, we'll call it, in the last five years. But I think I've always had a healthy distrust for government. And I always, you know, even again, because I'm a religious person, I mean, any religious person, Christians, Catholics, anybody will tell you, we've read the book of Revelation. Right. Any Christian will say, well, at some point in the end times, there's going to be a one world government and it's not going to end well for everybody. Right. Even the Muslims believe that with the global caliphate and and certainly uh, practicing uh, Jews, practicing Judaism would kind of believe the same thing with their messianic uh, uh, figure. Right. So I think even within not just the context of history, but religion, I think everyone kind of knew this was coming at some point. So great mm. question, but it's certainly accelerated, man. Like, I don't know if these guys are getting old and they're going to die, so they want to get the show on the road, or if they're just bored, but I did not <laughs> see it happening this quick, right? Like, they really cranked it up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Be- being a student of history, like, kind of, it does set you up to, like, if you're not suspicious of those in power after reading history, like, you yeah. kind of didn't really read you just you, you skimmed it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly a, a quick skimming of history should make you pretty suspect oh dude big time like you should just <laughs> read a couple pages right i can't remember who said this quote but it's history in all her volumes is but one page and it's a fucking blood-soaked page man like so when you start reading this yeah you've got to be a little you got to have your guard up, right? You start reading things you're like, I should probably own at least one gun because... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, seriously, like, just, just from the tales of your grandparents and great-grandparents, like, all of us here, yeah. they can... All, I mean, I mean, Nathan, your parent, your, your great-grandparents and stuff, they... Oh, yeah. They no, fled I, Asia, right? Oh, yes. yeah, well... Um, so, like, shocker, there's probably a lesson there for owning a firearm. <laughs> yeah, not, not oh. even uh, my, my great-grandparents. That, that was my... Uh, my grandparents, my, really? yeah, her. like she was very young, not that far away. Man, tell me about that. I would love to hear that. You look a little Asian, buddy. I can see it in you. Hey, you handsome devil, you. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little bit. Just uh, yeah, my mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she doesn't like to speak about it, but from what I can gather, yeah. uh, just kind of piecing things together, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've studied a lot about what happened at, at the time, but ba- basically during the the purges in the late '60s yeah. and uh, '50s, and everything from their agricultural revolution to, anyways, uh, she apparently escaped over a land border from China wow. during um, essentially the Great Leap Forward, which yeah, uh, yeah. Ha- happened previously, but the the purges continued for quite some time after. Oh that. yeah, certainly. And uh, yeah, my mom's from a peasant family. There were, uh, I th- God, she's got like twelve brothers and sisters. Both her parents mm-hmm. were killed, um, not yeah. not not there, but from resulting complications uh, mm-hmm. after they escaped to Moir in Malaysia, and uh, she she eventually found her way to Canada and you know met my dad and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, Fucking you know, wild! Not oh, that long dude. ago. Yeah, but, uh, that's exactly it. Not that long ago, man. That's that's yeah. a fresh story in terms of human history, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but we're also people, eager to plug in and ignore stuff that happened like decades ago. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. people don't like to think about things that happened last year, much less <laughs> yeah. decade ago. Oh man, I know, I, know I don't. I drink to forget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, seriously, like we are, we're so we're so actively engaged in ignoring reality. I feel, and like yeah. a lot of people, the the culture that all of us are invested in in being kind of like you know the whole genocide proofing kind of idea and like trying to avoid these fucking awful things from ever happening again like just acknowledging that culture and the practicality of it is terrifying Mm -hmm. to your average person that just wants to potato out on the couch and like plug into their subscription service of choice and whatever else and just ignore that i don't have to be responsible for myself daddy government will take care of me it's all good they'll figure it out i don't have to protect myself you know Man, I think you hit the nail on the head, dude, because sorry to cut you off, but I think it's absolutely it's absolutely true. You just said it's the responsibility like that is a burden to bear as a man to bear the burden of that responsibility of, you know, ensuring your liberty, ensuring your liberty for your kids in the next generations. And a lot of people just can't bear that burden. And it's like you said, exactly. Daddy government will take care of that. And you really see that. Uh, not just globally, but even especially in the States or even at home here in Canada where, um, you know, whether it's just a, a, a happenstance of circumstance or whether it's more nefarious actions from the government, but you've got, for example, native populations and reserves in Canada where the father figures are not around and there's no dad, there's no husband, and the state has replaced that role. And that's yeah. a dangerous thing, man. I mean, we could go on to a whole other thing about the importance of fathers uh in the home but that's certainly i think you hit the nail on the head man it's 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 people can't bear that responsibility and well and if you're a if you're a fucked up government or a government even with just not even fucked up but just selfish ideas like is that yeah. not your ideal tax cattle you know oh, kind exactly. of yeah. without, without that figurehead like of course yeah you know, a broken up family is like you know it's whatever they're yeah. still generating tax income and shit Oh, especially since we have the women working, right? And then we've doubled the tax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tax base, right? Not that, uh, not to sound like some kind of misogynist, sexist, but uh, yeah, right. Because if women want to work, sure, right. I don't want to be that guy, but it's certainly, I think, the motivation behind that was how can we double the workforce and double the tax income, right? I, I certainly yeah. think that was a conversation had behind closed doors somewhere. Yeah, like 
thinking that there was a bunch of guys in you know in charge like cheering for women like fuck yeah nah. this is this, this is great for them i'm so happy for them that was you know that wasn't the fuck yeah it wasn't the case man look how hard women <laughs> had to struggle just to vote i mean it, it's yeah it's certainly yeah i don't think it was uh i don't think it was benevolent right but... <laughs> it makes me so upset when i hear an argument for anything and obviously they're not going to put that right at the forefront of you know women getting jobs but for example legalizing weed it's like oh look at all the tax revenue we can get this is the yeah. missing this, this is the missing amount of tax revenue that we can get by taxing a plant that we we alone can sell yeah i, I hate that yeah. yeah it's interesting man and th yeah that's an interesting thing too right because even you look at like america during the prohibition right there was this whole movement where when they outlawed alcohol which I'm not a fan of. I love alcohol, right? I mean, <laughs> just set the record straight. But uh, there was this whole thing across the media at the time where, you know, in the newspapers, we'll call it, where it was like, oh, such and such person died in this shootout. And there was all this violence and gang violence, right? And then when they legalized alcohol again, it's not like that went away. I mean, you look at the statistics, how many tens of thousands of people are dying directly as a result of either the uh, you know drunk driving or alcohol poisoning or different things right and so the idea that the government was like oh hey let's just ensure that our population has liberty and the ability to choose to drink or not drink or drink whatever <laughs> well, actually we're protecting them from the violence it's like no man they want your fucking money yeah and they've decided they can make a billion dollars off taxing alcohol every year and so that's that's the result they don't care about anything other than money right so yeah Something that always gets me when I travel to the States is you can get, you can buy alcohol anywhere and it's taxed to shit, I'm sure, you know, it's still yeah. a lot more expensive than other countries. But mm -hmm. in a lot of Canada, for, you know, our predominantly American listeners, you can only buy alcohol from the government. Um, this that this is, is pissing me off. Whenever I travel to a state that's like this, I just, I forget the state exists and I never go there again. Yeah. So, we, <laughs> yeah, so out east, uh, Nathan, so is yeah. it the same? Because I think it's the same in Ontario where it's like a government run liquor store. Is that how it is out there? Yeah, like, it's LCBO in Ontario, I believe. Here it's NSLC. Uh, some smaller places, especially when you get rural, can be, you know, specially licensed by the government to, to okay. sell liquor. But uh, it is That's so fucking weird. Like I don't want to be so dealing with the government when I'm going to grab whiskey. I'm I'm dude. drinking to forget they exist. I don't want to go there and be reminded. Oh like, that's, yeah, that's exactly. Awful. I so I don't know if it's this way in Alberta. Like again, I'm kind of out of the loop in terms of legislation, and I feel like I don't know. I should probably get more into these things, but I I could be wrong. But I don't think it's that way in Alberta. I think it's just privately so. owned liquor stores. You just show up, and it's Bob's your uncle running the shop, and you give them your 20 for a thing of whiskey and that's it. Like, I don't know why the hell the government would be involved, but it seems like the further west you, sorry, rather the further east you go, the denser the population and then the more left-wing authoritarian the views that everybody holds out there. And it just seems like government permeates the life of everyone, right? Well, yeah. tell you what, Nathan, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hang out, buddy. We'll get you to move out west to the land of the free ones. <laughs> if I was to live in one place in Canada, it'd probably be Alberta. Um, if, if I can't flee this country for whatever reason, if they enact a wall and bar my entrance to the States, it's probably going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No <laughs> doubt, man. No doubt. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, there's a lot of land out here and not a lot of people. Yeah. And so See, that it's, it's so funny that that's kind of the way culture is going because a lot of this stuff is just 
like you said, the boiling of the frog, it's kind of this inevitable crushing, like, you know, authoritarian presence is coming, regardless yeah. of who wins, regardless of how elections go. It just seems yeah. to be a constant march towards more control. And yeah, so you've right. got... You've got people now, instead of... I saw some some comment on one of your posts about the recent Canadian stuff um, where they were saying, like, oh, well, maybe you guys should vote harder. It's like, fuck me, dude. (laughs) 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 That was ironic. I thought it was fucking ironic. Oh, dude. In the year 2022, we're still saying vote harder. It's like, this will all... I mean, you see in the US, Republicans make great gun grabbers they're fantastic at it you know we we had more gun grabbing under under trump than obama it's like this this is not something that you can vote your way to like eventually they'll be like all right no no you know what guys keep them sorry sorry about that yeah it's always going to be a march towards more so really what we're going to have to enter is this kind of era of uh of culture where it's a non-compliance culture you know Come on, dude. You say that gets me hard, right? That's really what it is. It's going to be mass non-compliance, and God bless them. Like, I've given money to the CCFR, and I think they're doing good work because there is a necessary place in the system for what they're doing. But, you know, when this new gun grab came out and I saw they made a post, and it was like, send your letters in, you know, sign this and send it to your representative. It's it's nice, but... We are so fucking beyond sending letters to people. And again, it comes down to the foundational problem with with our Charter of Rights. If we don't have a guarantee that we can own firearms, if we can't even agree for what fucking purpose we have them for, then again, yeah, but the whole vote harder premise is so deeply flawed. Like you can't vote. You're not. It's a consistent battle against government for our rights. You're not going to like push them all the way back and oh. It's free reign. It's ultimate liberty out here. We can do whatever we want. And then yeah, two yeah, years yeah. ago, we had a fucking curfew. And like I mentioned earlier, I couldn't even have a worship little get together in my private residence, right? And so the constant battle with government will always be that. And they will always win because they have the resources. And unless, which we don't, uh, unless we have a guarantee to these, you know, the right to bear arms like the Americans do, it's just a losing battle, man. And yeah. I mean, that's really the only difference. I would say, you know, looking objectively somewhat is the only real difference between America and Canada. Because, again, they were both, you know, fundamentally Christian nations. They were founded by these, you know, their founding fathers of both nations were Christian, right? If you if you shoplift, there's a reason we don't chop your hand off. There's a reason you go to jail. It's because the holy book that we based our morality on is is the Christian Judeo belief system, right? It's the Bible, and the problem, the problem, or I guess the difference between America and Canada is while those foundational things are the same, America has the right to bear arms and we don't. And I think that's why America not only is older and will probably survive Canada a lot further. I mean, we're only, what, over 150 years old and we're falling apart at the seams, right? And it's a matter of time before I know there's camps that were already built. I don't think they put anyone in them, but I don't think they took them down either. Mm, no, nope. <laughs> right? they, they exist. They're made with taxpayer dollars. So. Wait, wait, wait. So you guys actually got quarantine camps, like we Australian did. style? Yep. So uh, No one were... actually ended up going to them, but yeah. uh, they were with intention. Hmm. Yeah, dude, there was camps. And the funny thing, too, is even in Calgary, I think it was the McMahon Stadium, they put up like this field hospital with, I think it was hundreds of beds for this oh, whole COVID Christ. rush. And not a single bed in that field hospital was used. And so I don't know if it's just our general, you know, our population small. I don't know what the reasoning is for it. But not only were the camps built and nobody went to them, but even our overflow hospitals weren't used because, you know, obviously the whole thing's a bloody scam. 
but uh, <laughs> they're there, man. I'm sure if they're not used for the COVID lockdowns, they'll be used for the climate lockdowns. But I don't know, man. I can't even complain because imagine if like everything was going swimmingly, we'd have nothing to bitch about on this podcast, right? Like, you know, <laughs> we'd be out of business. Never let a good crisis go to waste. No, yeah, we, we, exactly. we'd be talking about uh, we'd be talking about plate carriers or micro rigs or chest rigs or whatever. Yeah, we'd be having a violent oh, argument. Yeah, yeah. Be like, You're a fucking idiot. Actually, <laughs> this nylon kicks the shit out of your nylon. You yeah, fucking idiot. If it ain't five hundred dead, yeah, I don't even want to fucking look at it, right? <laughs> Disgusting. How's it going, lads and ladies? BR and Nathan here to take a quick break to tell you about our Patreon. Not only do we want to continue improving the quality of what we can do here on Art and War, but we want to push what we do all over at Seaburn Art, from the guides to pursuing video content and keeping us warm during another winter of illness and death, and the Patreon helps us get after it. But what's in it for you? Our Patreon subscribers enjoy five different tiers of exclusive perks, ranging from all the content we'd post on a pre-Zuckerberg Instagram, downloadable high-resolution guides, targets such as Redcoat Skinwalkers, John Harvey Kellogg, seasonal targets, and more. Behind-the-scenes info like my personal art, introducing all-new exclusive mini-podcast episodes, and at our highest tier, get monthly art commissions created by yours truly. You can find our Patreon via the link in this episode's description at patreon.com slash or in the Seaburn Art page's bio on Instagram. This episode was brought to you by AWS, Advanced Warfighting Solutions. We use the shit out of their gear here at Arn War. Everything's made in North Carolina and they make everything. Everything. <laughs> I'm a big fan of their SMU war belt, the snack pack, their assault pack, their plate carrier, kind of a big fan of everything. And they've been around for a long time with a lot of hard use kit. Overseas and here at home. Sorry, I'm just uh, reattaching my phone. Sorry, it did come loose. This is my fidget spinner, okay? I know, I know. AWS is our longest running sponsor and they've helped us do a little bit of everything here at Arlen War from keeping the guides coming out by providing Nathan a new iPad as well as chucking gear our way so we can get out there on the range. Tough as hell gear so they can help us go LARP in the woods. Yep, my assault pack comes out with me every time I'm in the woods. If you want to pick up a one and done Molly pistol belt, look no further than the AWS SMU belt. Use code War 10 for $10 off. We get no kickbacks, you just save money. Link to their site down in the description and in the Seaburn Art Pages bio. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the show. Like it's kind of nice to live in this time because we're really presented with generationally like the opportunity to put our money where our mouths are, right? Like yeah. I, I think of even Yeah, I, I certainly think it's 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 a blessed time to be alive because you know, you think of the eighties, the nineties, generally speaking. You know, if you were to say, for example, you're a gun owner, well, that's normal. That's okay. Even if you were to say, oh, I'm a Christian, that's fine. That's normal. But now these things that we culturally held as kind of, you know, basic, principled, normal, mainstream cultural values have really become, I guess, fringe. And what I'm trying to say is I don't really recognize the view out of Overton's window anymore. If you get my drift, man, like certainly it's certainly changed, right? Oh, for sure. I mean wherever you are you know it, it's not like just a canada or a u.s or a europe it's like all over the place it's kind of like you know had the the blinders on and suddenly ripped off or or the inverse i guess kind of all of a sudden it's like no no no, this is reality it's like i don't yeah. think it is yeah man i don't think anyone really saw what was coming with and again it's it's kind of been accelerated but i mean you look at the lockdown measures in the last two years you look at how many people have been out of jobs you look at this massive gun grab like there's certainly been a lot of things where as a canadian you know in 2018 2019 
things were going well. We had the liberty we wanted. There was no real cultural schism. There was no, you know, this side, that side. It was pretty, it was pretty balanced, I would say. And then all of a sudden shit just hit the fan. It was like, I, you know, you can't go to church. Like, I don't know if I should be saying this because I got my RCMP agent probably listening to me, but no. I went, I went to an underground church in a basement for for weeks when things you were have to find it with like little drawings of fish dude yeah exactly we would draw the <laughs> draw the half of one and the other dude would draw the other half and like a fish and then we'd uh, like but that's what it was man i remember being in a basement having a worship service going like where the hell am i like is this canada like what what is that's going wild. on right and and it's certainly i i would like to think that it would have opened people's eyes because even even the whole thing with, uh, you know, when we, t- and sorry, you're going to get a COVID notification warning on this. We, on we get them every, every few episodes. We'll yeah, have no one. I'll probably, I'm sorry. I'll just hold this one. I'm ready right up. I'm the cause of it. But there's a lot of people that got the vaccine thinking it would stop transmission. And, and that's absolutely fine. Like I, I have no qualms with whatever side of the, of the aisle you want to take on that in, as it relates to that argument. But a lot of people kind of felt like duped. They were like, oh, I did this because I was given this information. And it turned out to be a lie. You yeah. know what I mean? And a lot of people were kind of open their eyes to that. And a lot of people, I think, have kind of gained a healthy distrust for government. And so it's been nice to see that cultural shift where a lot more people are kind of questioning the official narrative. But I that- saw a, uh, a uh, poll, and I don't know how scientific this is, the other day, yeah. which was basically only answer if you're vaccinated. If, <laughs> and this this wasn't a uh, like a fringe place. It was a fairly mainstream uh source you know uh and again this is entirely anecdotal and obviously you know who knows but if you knowing what you know now would you get the vaccine and it was overwhelmingly absolutely not it was uh, something like 80 20 Um, interesting interesting well i think like i said a lot of people are kind of realizing you know you can't trust the government. And a lot of people believed probably the first lie that they were ever told is that human beings are inherently good. And when you believe that, you'll just believe everything you're told, right? It's certainly someone in a position of authority. They must know what they're talking about. They must be there for a reason. Yeah, they're experts. Yeah, exactly, right? And I think, you know, with the advent of the free internet, there's kind of this information uh, wealth of knowledge that we have access to. Well, we can kind of like start asking tough questions and, and get answers to them. But it's funny, man, there still hasn't been a general consensus, I would say, from what I'm seeing, even in Alberta, which tends to be more of a right-wing kind of pro, even libertarian, we'll maybe call it, pro-liberty type uh, culture out here. There's still not the shift that I anticipated. And I always tell people, like, what surprised me was not what the government did because you know, the government trampling on our civil liberties and our fundamental rights. That's what government's done since the beginning of time. That's what government does. It's yep, very, predictable. very predictable. I would yeah, argue exactly. it's its purpose, but, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not, yeah, <laughs> their purpose surely is not to protect us from, like, foreign uh, threats and to, yeah, no, 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 their purpose is certainly to just trample us with that jackboot. But it's funny, it's never been a surprise to me that that's what government did, because if you've read a history book like we've already talked about, you understand that's what government does. What surprised me is how so many people went along with it. And even too, man, the biggest issue I had uh, personally, me being a follower of Christ, is that so many churches just did what they were told. And I mean, I, I hang out with a bunch of fucking heathens, obviously, you can tell by my potty mouth. And I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. She's going to be <laughs> very upset with me. But I, there's a lot of my homies that are heathens that understand 
that there are foundational rights and freedoms that this nation is built upon that even if you're not a professing Christian or a Muslim or anything that you can still acknowledge is important. And what I mean by that is like we have the freedom of speech, we have the freedom of religion, and we have the freedom of peaceful assembly. And I would say those are kind of a tripod of foundational freedoms and rights that that this nation stands upon. Because if one of them falls, the other fall as well. Like imagine you have the freedom of speech, but not religion. Like you can think what you want, but you can't say it. Or imagine you have the freedom of religion, but not peaceful assembly. So you can believe what you want, but you can't practice it. And you can't meet with people that are like-minded, right? And so they kind of fit together. And I mean, again, to look through the pages of history, there's a reason that governments always go after religion. And especially I would say Christianity is because as a Christian, like you acknowledge God as the supreme authority. And government doesn't like that. Government wants <laughs> to be the supreme authority, right? And so what really frustrated me was how many churches just did what they were told and closed down. They were like, hey, you guys, scary bug came out. It's maybe killing people. We're going to close church down. And it's like, you know, if they wanted to close your local, you know, hobby store, okay, well, maybe, maybe there's an argument to be had there. But the church is the physical embodiment and even more so a pastor you know we, we you guys i'm sh- sure have heard about all the pastors that have been arrested yeah, not just in Canada, yeah, but Arthur Pitesky. yeah so that was yeah funny enough he's a polish guy too and i mean he would have grown up in poland behind the iron curtain right and that was a time where when the russian pup, puppet government came in and was ruling in poland they would take priests and they would baptize them in pools of feces man like there was just horrific things that they did when the Russian puppet government was ruling in Poland, that type. So if there's somebody that knows what's going on and has a point of contact in history, it it would be Arthur. But even in Edmonton, there was a pastor, um, his name escapes me, it's Grace Life Church is the name of the place, but he was arrested. I think he spent 35 days in jail. Uh, There's just been a lot of pastors that were arrested. And, and, you know, we talk, I joke about, you know, Alberta being the wild West and being the place of freedom, but here is where a lot of people stood up and really, really took a hard hit from government right that being said there were so many places that just did what they were told and closed and it's like man again as a pastor you are the embodiment of the freedom of religion and i mean again even if you're a you're you're a godless heathen we'll call it you should acknowledge that like that that's an important part of our society and i honestly would feel the same way about if it was a, a muslim imam or it was you know any other religion, like we can't close church. We have a fundamental right in this nation to, to practice religion and, and, and be affiliated with that and, and to meet with these people. And when you start, like I said, getting rid of one of these three foundational rights in our nation, like, man, we're, the whole thing collapses and it's a dark path to, I guess what Reagan would call it a thousand years of darkness, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm certainly no Christian, but it's such like a clear thing in sight. When when we start seeing people being dragged out of churches, I'm like, I, I mean, America, Canada, a lot of people were emigrating to these countries to get away from that kind of treatment for being persecuted for whatever they believed in. Like, you know, it's, it's a big part of why these countries exist and why so many people moved here. And then, you know what, like less than 250 years later, you, you've got people in full riot gear dragging people in their Sunday best out of churches. And you're like, oh, God, why does this not register with you as, like, fundamentally wrong? I know people in the cities that actually celebrated that. You know, yeah, people yeah. in my own fucking family. 
and seeing the the absolute yeah. like the the brainwashing started early and it worked yeah. it absolutely worked it uh they, they, all those people selfish and such yeah it's like yeah. the people in the cities especially dehumanized the hell out of anyone who didn't you know work for the public good it's yeah that's normal though right like if you read the gulag archipelago soul Sitson kind of talks about that where if they have a prisoner who they've deemed subversive to the state right so they get somebody that's arrested when they have them on the train platforms in these densely populated urban areas the people walking by these prisoners would spit on them kick on them right but once they got on the trains and they shipped them out to these you know places where they would swap trains and, and go to all the different camps when they would be in rural areas on rural platforms the people would treat these criminals like gods they would like give them food they would ask them if they need medical care i remember there was one story where this guy got out of one of these concentration camps and went into this village and he was living in the bush he like stole i think it was like i think him and another guy they stole a cow or something and and so the villagers reported the police and the police came and took him away and as the police were arresting this guy the villagers found out that he was actually in a camp because of some subversive activity and they actually started fighting the police and they were telling the guy, like, you should have just told us we would have given you the cow. Mm. Like they were so upset. And so that's always been the difference between urban and rural populations. And I don't know, man, if I had to take a guess, I think when you start living in these densely populated areas, you have to be reliant on government. Like you kind of have to have a C train downtown Calgary to take you around because there's so much population. Like, you know what I mean? You start to rely on these government programs to manage that. Whereas in yeah. these more rural areas, man, like you're your own first responder. You're your own dude solving your own problems. Your house runs off of a propane tank and not echo gas supply lines. Like there tends to be more of a, again, we'll probably call it a burden of responsibility that the rural community is, is bearing. Whereas, you know, and not to say all people that live in the city are morally depraved government maniacs, but there's cer- there certainly tends to be a, a correlation between densely populated areas and and just this fucking hard on for government you know what i mean yeah a lot of it is likely a lack of community and also mm. i'm not going to go down my schizo rant of how academia has infected everything no do it man we got some time i would love to hear that <laughs> well i i've done it a few times on on this but you know yuri bezmanov was right in a lot of regards you can d- uh, destroy a country from the inside out by f- affecting its academia and, you know, where do academics live? Generally in densely populated cities, working tech jobs. I walked into my local mountain equipment co-op the other day, just a, you know, camping store. I wanted to get a, a jacket for the winter. Yeah. And just hearing the clerk behind the counter talk to the other clerk about, well, I don't care, you know, what you look like or who you are. If you in any way lead in conservative, you're a racist and homophobic. And that, that's barely paraphrasing. <laughs> It's just this average Canadian citizen looking <laughs> motherfuckers standing there. And, you know, I'm not going to care and I'm not going to do anything, uh, but I've, I've never in my life wanted to shoplift more than at that moment. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Dude, there's a big disconnect. Like even I like there is a schism forming in our society. Like there is a gap. There is a big, there's a big problem. And I don't even know what the solution is, uh, but there's, there's a big gap between the people like that and i would say probably the people like us because if you were to talk to those people 
and have a conversation with them, they'd probably find out real quick you're not as scary as they think they are. Oh, like, I'm, I'm a Christian. People live, especially, you know, well, everywhere. I don't want to say just in cities. People live in their echo chambers. And I, I've brought this example up before. You know, I, I've met perfectly – a good friend of mine way back when was, you know, a rural girl from uh, PEI. And, you know, when, when I, I met her, totally normal, you know, kind of, kind of center left opinions all over the board. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was getting her bachelor of education from the one place that, that you can learn to be a teacher here. Mm -hmm. So to, to become a, a teacher for public schools, you have to get your BED, which essentially puts you at like a master's degree level. It is a postgraduate okay. de degree where you need to go to school again. You need It's very selective of who comes in. And you generally need a bachelor's degree beforehand. So to become a, a public school teacher, you know, knowing all of these things and knowing how much debt you're going into, you generally have to be an ideologue to, to get in. She really, mm -hmm. really wanted to become a teacher. And over the, the two years it took her to get her bachelor of education, she went from just like a very normal person to someone who was, you know, would argue passionately in favor of giving, you know, seven-year-olds pleasure-based sex ed and giving... 10, 11 year olds, puberty blockers, and basically every horror story about public teaching establishments you can think of Jeez. were taught in an institutional level to anyone who becomes a teacher yeah. here and the uh, largest school in the entire East Coast and one of the only ones you can get do this program in. I don't think it's about teaching anymore. I think it, it is about it's processing. Yep. Yeah, dude, ideology just belt fed right it's funny though man i mentioned earlier there's a gap i think that gap is more like a chasm for, for some of these ideologies right but it's funny because if you have a conversation like you were talking about earlier this this clerk at mac i have conversations you know with the internet you can talk to people from different places different ideological backgrounds it's funny because the people the people that would look at me and think I'm one thing, and if you were to talk to me, you'd find out I'm something else, right? So I would say I, I'm a, a Christian. I, I probably wouldn't even consider myself a conservative because I don't even know if those exist anymore. Certainly not in Canada. I think in Canada, <laughs> our conservatives are like the JFK-style liberals, like a true classical liberal. Mm. And our liberals are – I don't even know what the fuck. They're not even on the spectrum anymore. I digress. Um, I think <laughs> if you were to talk, to people, you'd find out for the most part, we're pretty similar. So again, like I would consider myself Christian, but if you were to ask me, you know, what do you think of gay rights? I would say, well, they're human beings. They deserve human rights. It's a pretty foundational, basic thing, right? If you ask me what I think of, uh, you know, different political affiliations, I'd say that's all fine. That We need the freedom to align with whatever the hell we want to align with. Like I'm a pretty reasonable libertarian type person. And even having served in the military for three years, people would say, and I've had this conversation with people before. Oh, you love violence. You love war. And I'm like, no, man, I actually, I think war is the most awful thing ever. And I actually despise mm. violence, but I understand it's necessary. Right. And, and it's kind of, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible where King David talks about not loving violence and not loving violent men. And I think that's an important principle because you cannot love violence, but be really fucking good at it because it might be required of you one day. And Jordan Peterson obviously talks about this in more depth and, and the importance of, you know, having the capability of it. Otherwise, your moral virtue is lacking, right? Because you're just kind of harmless. But I think the biggest problem is with society today is that, you know, it's the media trying to drive this gap between people. Whereas, as I mentioned, if you were to talk to these clerks, you're like, man, we're not actually 
that different. We probably would align on some things. And, and if there's things we don't align on, I think there's room for, dare I say, tolerance, even though I hate that <laughs> word. Now, all that being said, there are people who, as you mentioned, Nathan, you know, they believe in pleasure-based uh, teaching of kids. I, I, there was something James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, literally, I think it was released today or yesterday, where there was a teacher in some school in the States. And I don't know if it was kindergarten or grade one or what it was, but they, he was bragging on one of these undercover videos about passing around butt plugs and dildos. And I thought, you know, in a society, and I got to be careful what I say here, but in a free society, there are values that we tolerate. And then there are values that we don't. And there are people that we Again, I have to be careful here because I know my RCMP agent is listening, but uh, <laughs> if you're going to be exploiting and sexualizing children, uh, you know, at, at what point do we draw that line? At what point do we, as a society, do we decide, okay, that's acceptable? Or do we decide that's a solution that a tall tree and a short rope solves, right? <laughs> so, so the question really becomes, where do we end up as a society? Because man, I'll tell you, if, if two, three years ago you had told me that this whole pedophilia movement would become a, a wide open thing that's talked about casually in conversation in today's culture, I, I'd be shook. I'd be shook, but this is what's happening, right? I mean, you guys have seen the Balenciaga ads, uh, the that, people that are minor just... attracted persons, right? Like, I don't know, man, there's a lot of normal people and I'm a pretty tolerant person, but there comes a point in time where you're like, just can't abide by that, you know? That was it, unreal to me. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. It was like, so Um, th this is related, but like uh, you, you do some kind of, you do a little bit of media stuff at Wardle, right? Yeah, so that's actually, most of what we do is actually media production. So the apparel stuff's kind of, uh, I don't know, man, just more my creative outlet. I like to draw yeah, stuff yeah. and do that. But most of what we do is media production for, for various companies I actually went to film school for two years when I released from the military. And so I kind of found myself in this weird niche where companies needed someone who could run a camera, but who was also able to be in front of a firearm and handle it in a safe manner and understand the nature of that industry. So I yeah. fell see, into see, that, man. It's funny. Cause like, and this does tie into the Balenciaga stuff, <laughs> but, but I, I figured it's also a good thing with you as our guest because me, myself, and Nathan both are kind of creatives in this kind of gun space. Sure, I did yeah. I did some like firearm photography and also nice. graphic design kind of stuff, and Nathan's cool, also cool. also the graphic design illustration kind of space. So it's a weird spot where you have like creatives who are involved in a world that can skew interesting to be polite about it you know like mm. the, the kind of spaces that you go into and rub shoulders with uh especially if you're doing like film school or art school kind of stuff compared yeah, yeah. to uh the kind of industry that we're interested in but um i don't like did you uh so for film school did you have any kind of like what was the vibe for that? Were you doing like a proper in-person thing or? Yeah, yeah. So I went to, uh, it was, uh, it, so it was at SAIT actually, Southern Alberta Institute of Technology in Calgary. They have a two-year film and video production program. So I attended that. And again, like I've already told you guys, I'm a pretty reasonable person, man. Like I'm not really hardline left or right politically. Yeah. I, I, you know, if I read my Bible and, and do what it says, you should love people and you should just be very understanding yeah. Uh, and so I kind of abide by those principles, right? Everybody's doing their own struggle. Everybody's just trying to figure life out. The shit's fucking hard. Be nice to people, right? Yeah. So I, I had a pretty easy time 
in school. I mean, there was people that were, you know, because it's an arts, uh, it's because it's in the arts realm. There's people that are more left wing, we'll call it. That being said, man, I don't think if I were to go to school now, because I graduated um, almost almost 10 years ago now, I think if I were to go now, it would be a different experience because as I said, Overton's window is shifting where the conversations that we're having now, we're just so polarized as a society. Like there's people that are okay with the term minor attracted person and that, you know, uh, pedophilia is a sexual orientation. And it's like, well, at some point there obviously, you know, we don't as a society tolerate murder. Like there has to be some morality line that's drawn somewhere or else what the fuck is going on? Where's true North, right? Like how do we even set the compass for what's going on here? Right. So going and attending that school, then it was relatively fine. I'd like to think I'm a pretty, Ooh, I hate to use the word, but tolerant person. There's a lot of words that have been ruined, like diversity. I don't know, man. If you're in a fire team, I'd like diversity of like knowledge and weapons platforms. But any other time I hear <laughs> diversity, I'm just like, I don't fucking like that word. But yeah, man, I don't know. That's a that's a deeper conversation, even where as a society, like, how are we deciding what direction we're going? Because you turn on the news for five minutes, man. It's it's getting pretty wild out there, you know. Yeah, I, I find like in this kind of role where you are literally the lens for like, you know, in a, in a way for our kind of community, it's, there is a lot of responsibility, I find when you're trying to present our kind of message and our kind of, you know, culture to people, no one's capturing it in a more pristine kind of way than professional media types, right? Yeah. So like, th there is a lot between making it look good and stuff, but also kind of presenting it in a way that is, I guess, supporting, you know, or if we're trying to, to show ourselves in a good light, like, you don't want to just be showing everyone looking like a bunch of hardcore killers, right? You know, you want to be showing like, this is a culture, a worthwhile culture. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, because I think the culture transcends time, man. Like, if you really talk to people that are familiar with violence, they don't like it and they would like to avoid yeah. it at all costs. And so there's, there's definitely, there's characters or there's, you know, general stereotypes that, you know, anyone that's opposed to this type of community that we have, they will say, Oh, these guys are just warmongers or they love violence or they, you know, there's so many, I'll see it even within the military where people are just, Oh, I can't wait till we go to war with China. And it's like, man, I'd like to say those are the fringe groups of people and they not, they aren't necessarily, but I'd like to think that the idea that I'm propagating is a responsible warrior culture. Yeah. And I think that's important because I mean, you know, if, if again, talking about the small existence, this time bubble that we're living in, we don't need warriors. We haven't needed warriors in the last, you know, however many years, you know, notwithstanding, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq, different wars that have been fought. But generally speaking, when you look at human history, the amount of bloodshed and mass warfare, right? Like we live in a pretty peaceful time. And so there's no real need for warriors and there's no real need for people like this. And so I think it's easy when you see someone on Instagram carrying a gun and enjoying, you know, that passion to be like, oh, that guy's a psychopath. He likes violence. Yeah, Whereas, yeah. you know, conversations like this are important for people to understand. Like, you know, there's a warrior culture out there that's you know, that doesn't like violence, but is good at it, that respects other people's values, beliefs. And believe it or not, it's that warrior culture that'll be the only thing ensuring your 
rights and fundamental freedoms and your ability to even critique that, you know, community at any time, you know, at the end of the day, the old saying is violence is golden and violence is the standard. And I mean, that that's true throughout history. And it's certainly true now, man, because you've, you've got a situation where, again, I got to be careful what I say, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to portray the idea that I'm a violent person. But I mean, you look at police officers, violence is required of people sometimes in the pursuit of good. Like there's evil out there. That's something that exists, right? And so I think fostering a culture that acknowledges that, but also helps steer it in the right direction is pretty important, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Like a, a big thing of mine is, uh, and, and a few other people use it too, is, you know, peaceful, not harmless. And that, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. the, the whole idea of the warrior in the garden, like, yeah. And I, I think it's so key these days to to propagate that that culture, and hopefully that's going to be the culture that wins out in this kind of in this space. Is that a very respectful attitude towards the responsibility of it all? But, I don't think so. I'd like it to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. I mean, there's a meme going around, and you've seen it, right? It's like, hey guys, I know things are bad, but don't yeah. worry, they're going to get much they're worse. They're going to get much worse. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth, man. And yeah. even. I, I mean, even even if that is the case, and I think it's likely to be the case, I, yeah. I still think, you know, that peaceful mindset is going to be the thing that wins out. Because in a, in a fucking awful scenario, the guy who's looking for every fight he can get his hands on is going to be the guy who's like a, as our friend Reaper11 would put it, a, a day zero idiot. You know, a guy who's going <laughs> to he's gonna get offed because he's just, he's out there trying to, you know, dye his hair into a pink mohawk, put on some bondage gear and go and take your, <laughs> your, uh, your fruit punch or whatever that sounds like the canadian <laughs> army you're describing there like new dress rags right yeah. <laughs> i know some yeah. people who who uh they're they're really taking advantage of it just to, to troll the fact that it happened yeah you got um, to yeah wait wait it's, wait can, can you wear a bull gag in uniform now is that, that that's that's what who I'm even who even knows what's going on <laughs> do we even dive into this so I did, I did three years as an infantryman with, uh, with a calf. And uh, when I released, I got an email probably six months later saying, hey, guys, if any of you have your old sleeping bags, can you return them? We don't have enough for the new recruits. And this was, this was years ago now. And it's only gotten worse. And so that was a, that's a story I tell people as a point of contact from you know when I released. I think it was 2016 when I released. And things have just gone downhill. I mean, that's notwithstanding the fact that we have no budget, that that our military culture has become just this like testing grounds for all these new ideas and ideologies where, you know, as I'm sure you guys will agree, the military needs to be a fighting force. And that's about fucking it. Like we need to worry about killing and that's the job of the military and not not anything else, right? It's funny you mentioned that. Last, last week, uh, I got three calf guys together, uh, all people I know in person. Uh, Air Force pilot with a bunch of deployments under him. Air and, Force, uh, sorry to hear that. That's too bad. Yeah, no, so is he. And, uh, <laughs> Infantry jokes. Guys. I have to make them. I'm sorry, continue. No, no, it's totally okay. But yeah, that, that was the, the ultimate thing. It's like readiness is an all-time low and it's only getting worse. And all these experiments <laughs> yeah. and things that they're focusing on, are useless it's it's make work yeah dude it's bad i mean even if you look at pictures of dudes 
you know, who toured in Afghanistan. So I did 2013 to 2016, and I think it was 2011 that the combat operations started winding down. And, and honestly, even if presented with the opportunity, I don't think I was too keen on dying for Raytheon. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I, so, but there are guys, you know, at the time when I was in that had served and looking at these guys' photos, man, they're wearing their own boots. They're wearing their own plate yeah. carriers. They're buying their own shit. And oh, dude, again, this is, it was buy my own boots. Oh, so you served too, right? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Ages ago, but like, uh, okay, yeah. yeah, about the same three years infantry. Um, oh my man. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I bought my own shit. I bought my own thermals. I had, I remember there were five eleven ATAC storms are what I, and oh, I thought they were the shit. I thought they were wonderful. Dude, I feel that bro. When you go from the original boots, they issued you, which are like 30 pounds a piece space boots. Like I think I hate to admit it too, but I think my first pair of aftermarket boots were like original swats yeah original swats, like, Magnus, that's so cool right 11 that's it 511 yeah. was the Gucci option i didn't know any better right spiritus wasn't around back then i think i i don't <laughs> i forgive me but i was probably wearing condor and even that being said it was better than the issued what is that a fucking fishing vest that they give yeah, up it, it's, a, it's do... like a fishing vest we have we've talked about it in the podcast before it's, it's like a fishing vest that weighs like 20 pounds for some fucking reason doesn't hold plates holds four magazines all at tit levels you're smacking yourself in the chin you're doing this weird chicken wing thing in order to grab your (laughs) magazines and god forbid on a brigade actually wear anything other than issued shit because you'll get chewed out for what having the kit to do your job properly it's like no you'll fucking die like the rest of us you'll use this (laughs) shitty kit that gets you in trouble and doesn't work and you'll just not be able to do your job like the rest of us, right? It's a big culture issue, man. Oh, I know guys so that are still in that are getting wrung out. Like I know I won't drop any names, but there was a dude that was like getting shit on because he his chest rig, it was an aftermarket chest rig, and it couldn't carry the box ammo for like the C uh the C uh nine. It's like, well, I'm a rifleman. And I get, you know, within the Canadian infantry, you have to be able to operate every weapon platform, but it's not like the fishing vest they give us is this all encompassing <laughs> everything, right? I can carry my canteen and maybe a box of ammo, but I'm only carrying four mags and the combat loads 10. So where the fuck are all these mags supposed to go? It's a mess. It's a mess. And it's culturally a mess and it's a mess top to bottom. Right. I honestly like, and I, I blame the whole institution of, you know, Basically, the military here is one, welfare for conservatives, and two, nothing but like a shitty economic stimulus. Yeah. But the, the whole idea that, oh, you know, all the con- everything that we make <laughs> the-, the military has to be designed <laughs> and manufactured in Canada, it's fuck off. It's like, I, I don't want yeah, some dude. fucking Montreal liberal arts student designing my Exactly. Weapon. Every time I see a Ford commercial, they're like, it's military grade. I'm like, so it's made by the lowest bidder and it'll fucking break when you need yeah. it the most. That's, every, that's what I hear when I see those commercials, right? But yeah. Dude, I have wet dreams where like Spirit System supplies the calf with all their yeah. kit. And I, when I get conscripted for World War Three or whatever, right? But that's exactly <laughs> it at the time. Like, I remember I got issued a seatbelt cutter, and I'm like, do we even fucking have Humvees? Is that even a thing? Like, I'm pretty sure West Edmonton Mall's like attraction they have in their mall. You know when they used to have the submarines, where you would like actually like I don't know for American listeners, there was this massive mall in Edmonton. And they had like this huge body of water within the mall as a tourist attraction where you could actually get in this tiny submarine and like go for a little 10 minute ride. And I, 
no shit, at some point, the West Edmonton Mall had a bigger inventory of submarines that were functional than the Canadian Navy. <laughs> it's just bad. It's always been bad, and it's probably only getting worse now that we're sending money and resources to uh, to Ukraine. And it's funny because I saw somebody – this was maybe a month ago. They made a post. They're like, oh, uh, the soft units in the U.S. military are running low on their Carl Gustav uh, launchers and rounds. And somebody was like, oh, yeah, well, that's an old – thing anyway and i'm like ah uh, you know what man that carl gustav has stood the test of time and that is one of the most uh that was one of the most prominent and effective weapons against an armored vehicle like a tank that still exists and i mean that's kind of the that goes to show that a people don't know what the hell they're talking about and b we're just giving money and we're giving equipment and we're giving it to ukraine and you know whatever they're doing with that is a conversation for another time i'm sure but like we kind of need that for ourselves because, you know, China's building their whole Pacific, they're, 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 sorry, they're building their whole fleet of icebreakers. And you know from history of warfare that Russia knows how to operate within Arctic conditions. And, you know, God bless the U.S. of A. They got one hell of a military and they're full of a bunch of hitters. But I'll be fucked if, if anyone thinks that they can come up and operate in 40 below conditions for an entire winter of warfare like I don't know if this is true, but I heard that if you serve in like Alaska or there's certain latitude, longitude, you go so far north, you get like a special medal or something. <laughs> like, yeah. bro, it's, Alaska is cold, sure, but it's you go on the west side of the mountains where it's literally 40, 45 below for weeks at a time. I, I don't think the Americans are going to be able to help us with that northern fight. And there's certainly a lot of resources. And, you know, if something were to break out on a global scale... I mean, God bless the Rangers up there because, like, in a non-sarcastic way, I mean, those Native people have been living up there off the land for generations. They know what they're doing, but we're giving them old Lee Enfield. Like, you know, what do they got? Well, like, they, the, I think they get Tikas now, actually. Do they? God bless them because they were getting the 303. Like, I don't know what they're <laughs> issuing them, and they've got these red sweaters. Like, man, I don't know. <laughs> these red sweaters they're giving them as part of their dress, like, don't blend in with the white Arctic. Like, I just <laughs> – I don't know, man. We're so ill-equipped for, and I hate to say it, but there's not a modern peer force military on this planet that we could go up against. And that's not to say, that's not to say there's not real hitters, right? So I know a guy, he's retired now, uh, and and I won't say what nation he serves with, but he was a tier one guy. He's retired and he uh, operator mafia has a new company he's, he's running and it's basically workout fitness programs, right? And, And this this guy, he's kind of this reflection of today's hitters, right? This is the old generation, the old guard of guys. They can get the fucking job done. They know what's going on. These guys take their job seriously. It's the old gen. But once these guys retire, you have to look at who's going to be filling their role. You have to be looking at the roster, like the farm team. And it's not looking good, man, right? So not to insult the Canadian or even the military in in the U.S., but once this old generation of dudes is gone, it's going to be the purple haired, you know, four gen dudes that are, you know, got their balls hanging out of a skirt and nothing against the Highlanders because kilts are the way to be. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be wearing dresses and you're going to be at the, at, you know, it's just, it's bad, man. When these guys are gone, who's going to be filling their boots or not, they're not going to be able to fulfill that role. Not effectively anyway. Right. 
the Instagram operators of the, of the future, they're going to look like the character roster from a Black Ops game or something. Where, like, uh, I don't know, you've got, you've got some, like, 6'8 woman with blue hair and then two bionic arms. And then you look at her bio and it says she's like, she's like Delta Force or something. You're like, what the fuck? Lord have mercy. <laughs> it's bad, man. Well, nobody even really truly understands the gravity of warfare, right? Because you've got, again, like I know there's dudes that are young guys or young bucks are in this, they're in these units and they're like, can't wait for the war against China. And I'm like, yeah, man, well. I don't know. War in general sucks, but when you have a population like China, man, it's, it's yeah. Any do... European conflict's going to suck. Oh, dude! Any, like, any conflict in general sucks, but like the the idea of, Whew. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be suicide drones, and everything's gonna be cool in, in 4K and on TikTok. Oh, like you, you're blo- you're blown apart. Body's gonna be on TikTok the next day. Oh man, they're gonna be having my severed head, and they're gonna be doing some fucking Pikachu dance with it, right? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> the Chinese are going to do what the Russians did with the Germans. They have enough people they don't give a shit about. They'll just throw bodies at the machine until it clogs, right? That's what the Russians did. That's what they yeah. just threw bodies at the German war machine until it fucking clogged. And so, you know, China being on the forefront of everybody's mind, I hear it a lot. I can't wait to go to war with China. I'm like, dude, it's a mess, right? And these people, again, if you're not familiar with violence, you know, you, you don't have a healthy aversion to it because – even, you know, if you were to go on these X's where they do building clearing, you know, the ratio is every one man in a defensive position takes eight to 10 men in offense position to balance, to have like a power balance there, right? So basically, if you set, if you got one guy holed up in a building and you send 10 infantrymen in, uh, they'll all end up dead. All 10 offensive and one defensive. It's kind of the calculation roughly, right? And so the idea that people are just like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for that is like, man, warfare is disgusting and it's bloody and it's horrific and it should be avoided at all costs. But there's certainly a generation of, of, of people that are very excited to seek it out. And I know there's some people that have, you know, Westerners that have volunteered to fight in Ukraine and there's lots to be said about that. And a lot of people have noble intentions with that. And I, I certainly understand and respect that, but I would not be in a hurry to die. You know what I mean? Like uh, you'll find this battle on your doorstep soon enough and enjoy life, man. It's short. And all it takes is one fucking arty round to send you to the pearly gates. And you'll be trying to explain to St. Peter why you should be allowed in. Right. That's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. I think it's kind of that young man bloodlust. A lot of people like whether they call it that or not, a lot of people, they, they want that adventure. They, they have something to prove. And it's like, dude, there is so much of value at home worth fighting for. Like, you really want to sign up and sell your sell your body away for you know pennies on the dollar of what it's worth, and and, yeah. and to your family and and your community and all that. You want to sell yourself out to line someone else's pocket in a war that they're gonna orchestrate. Oh, <laughs> yeah. dude, it's bad. I think it's a healthy approach. Like, well, you look at you know what you mentioned. There's this bloodlust. I think there's actually behind that kind of a positive thing to it like young men they want to be tested they want to see what they're made of they want to fight for some valiant noble cause i think that's kind of been hijacked yeah you know whether it's through the government or the media whoever it is it's kind of been hijacked where they're kind of well i'll say it this way it's the young men fighting the old men's wars right it's these young guys with with you know these positive attributes that just get manipulated and i don't know if you guys saw the movie all quiet on the western front 
I haven't seen the remake. I saw the uh, original. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So the the the, the remakes, are, I thought it was a fantastic movie. It kind of shows that, not to give too much away, because it's a great movie for whoever. So, it's on my list. Life. Oh, it's great, man. <laughs> At the beginning, it really shows these gung-ho young guys that we're going to fight for the fatherland. We're going to, you know, and then it just in great detail shows the atrocities of World War One, right? I mean, millions of dudes died over two, 300 fucking meters of soil. What a fucking yeah. waste of life. And so to watch that process of guys at the beginning of that movie being so gung-ho and, you know, we're, we're proud of our nation and nationalism and this, and which, again, are all foundational, foundational principles that are fine. But when they get hijacked, again, you've got these young men fighting old men wars and it's the people that suffer, right? And you even look at the Ukraine-Russia crisis. The politicians are fine. It's the oh, people 100%. that suffer. And the that's all both. politicians. Like- exactly. It's both sides, man. It's it's the Russian young conscripted men that are dying that otherwise would have found wives and, and raised nice Russian babies. And it's the Ukrainians the same, man. It's the people living in their houses, taking artillery rounds into their apartment. Like, it's just a fucking mess. And the people that really suffer are just the, – it's the people. It's the civilians. And the politicians, they make out like bandits and they make their money. And it reminds me of the Bosnian crisis, man. I mean – uh, there was an open letter, I think it was on Reddit, where this guy kind of chronicled the Bosnian crisis. You know, within 30 days, people went from a civil society to killing each other to steal their furniture to burn for warmth. But you know what? Through all of that, the politicians, they were all fine. A lot of them made money on that crisis, right? And, sure. and that's just the situation that we find ourselves in, man. Yeah, it's, it's why whenever that topic of like when people are so excited – for that test i'm like all right you know every i think every every warm-blooded man needs something like that and really a lot of people need some kind of good test in their life something real but like yeah. you have to be so fucking careful of what you give yourself to as that big test or challenge because yeah. you can you know you could end up like a body in the mud nameless no one could re- no one could figure out who you were you were yeah. so fucked up and for what you know it, it could be for a total waste or like you said couple hundred meters of of mud yeah dude it's wild to read some of these stories man like the world war one journal diaries i try to post them every remembrance day right november 11th i try to go through some diaries and kind of share with people what i found and it's dark man like these guys are like burying bodies on top of buried bodies and like they're going to sleep on the ground and the ground's got some spring to it because of the bodies underneath I had stories of guys trying to move bodies and it's like putting your hands through fucking cottage cheese, man. And it's like, if you had a really healthy understanding of history and certainly warfare and the two are kind of synonymous human history basically is one long campaign of warfare. But if you have a healthy understanding of that, boy, you'll try to avoid that at all costs. And, And so there's certainly this thing, not even within our community, but just culturally in general, where we're not as adverse to violence as we should be. And yep. it's a scary thing, man. A lot of people calling for World War Three, right? Oh. You got Zelensky over there. Oh, this, this, uh, what was the latest crisis they were talking about? Where the, the, the missile hit in Poland? Oh, man. And right off the bat, oh, it was the fucking blah, blah, blah. It was the Ruskies. And, and yep. don't get me wrong, I have no, like, I know what the Russians are all about, right? I mentioned my family history. I know what the Russians did when they set up their puppet government and Poland was caught behind the Iron Curtain, right? But the idea. And it's funny, you can look at this culturally, it's kind of like a sporting event. Oh, do you cheer for Russia or Ukraine? And I always tell people, I'm like, there's no good guys. 
we're all bad guys killing each other to survive. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you understand the human condition and start having sympathy for people, right? Yep. And and I don't know if you want to get into the whole Ukraine-Russian crisis thing, but the point remains is like, it's just bad for the average person, man. People are just dying and, and, and the politicians and the people that make policy and these decisions, they're fine. They're not going to suffer from any of this, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, have you ever seen the polls of who supports uh, an act of, you know, NATO war, uh, World War Three, effectively, against Russia, subdivided by income? Because mm-hmm. it's awful. It, it distinctly uh, curves upwards exponentially yeah. based on how much money you make. <laughs> if you live in a gated community or not. Yes. So basically, <laughs> the more money you make, the more affluence you have in your life, the more you are willing to be accepting of violence. Is that, I guess, yes. the premise? The, the, the more you're willing to sacrifice other people's children. Other people's <laughs> children, exactly right. Because you know these policymakers are not having their sons and daughters join on the front lines, right? You might have some government official like, oh, my son served in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. Like, at a desk somewhere far from <laughs> combat, right? Like we yeah. got to get back to the days where like if you're in charge of this country and we're going to war, you sure as fuck better be at the front. You know what I mean? We got to get back to the warrior king days where like, if you're going to sacrifice people, you've got to be willing to sacrifice yourself. And then if that's the case, you're going to be thinking about these things a little differently, right? If it's your son on the front line, if it's your daughter on the front lines, like you're going to be making decisions on policy and warfare that are much different than if you're just sacrificing somebody else's fucking kids, right? Yeah. 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 It it was, it was funny during the uh, global war on terror. You know, I grew up with uh, images of, uh, the princes in in afghanistan like allegedly doing stuff i'm like i'm not sure no. how, how on the ground you guys were like you, you, you got harry behind like an mg like you know doing a couple of like kind of shy bursts and you're like i don't think you're shooting at anything mate like yeah yeah no doubt, eh? <laughs> it, it's funny how I don't know. There's so much window dressing, kind of glorifying war. You know, you got these guys like, oh yes, Haram, we're we're out there with you. And it's like, are you though, or are you just yeah. are you just are you just dressing up the idea for us all to go and do the dirty work for you? Yeah, yeah. You'll really like that. All quite on the Western Front movie, man. It, it does a good job of kind of of bringing, and I think it's important that people today watch that because it really hits home. It brings the reality of conflict. Like, and again, it it, it really shows the trench warfare accurately because warfare always comes down to hand-to-hand combat like it's messy right and again not to not to harp on the issue not to beat off a dead horse (laughs) but uh it's it's exactly it it's people making policy in swivel chairs and i've always said no good decision was ever made in a swivel chair because by the time it trickles down to the dude in the trench choking another fucking human being with his bare hands there's a big disconnect there you know from those two people and, uh, and man, I, I think that would be a, certainly a good solution as to having the dudes making policy fighting alongside us. But those days are gone, right? The King David days where you're the warrior king, those days are gone, man. The people are so insulated from their decisions. It's, it's outrageous. And you even saw that during COVID, man. People make decisions. Not only do they not abide by them, right, where you've got uh, government officials specifically in Alberta where they would make a, oh, this is the new policy where because of COVID you can't eat with this many people or you can't be in this setting. And then literally that night, I don't know if you heard about that, Jason Kenny was caught, you know, on that restaurant rooftop patio, breaking all his rules. Right. So not only are they insulated from these decisions, they don't follow them anyway. And it's, 
I don't know what the disconnect is, man. I, I don't know what you guys think if it's power that just absolute power corrupts absolutely or if it's people that by definition of they're seeking out these positions of power, they've got to be narcissistic in some sense anyway because it just seems like if you're in government, A, why would you want to be there? And B, the reason you're there is probably some narcissistic, maybe even nefarious uh, motive, you know? I think positions of authority are generally, uh, they, they attract the worst people. There's, are you familiar with antisocial personality disorder? It's kind of the umbrella term where uh, what people would call psychopathy and uh, soci- oh, uh, being okay, a sociopath yeah. fall under. The numbers are exponentially higher for certain careers. Uh, yeah. Doctors, lawyers, politicians, uh, yeah. weirdly dentists. Um, Interesting. Yeah, watch, watch out for your fucking dentist. Uh, yeah, he's, did you? he's a nutcase. He's got like a closet full of stuffed cats. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and his, uh, his election campaign is coming up. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no, like, like, like Nathan said, it, it, it does attract a certain kind of person. And it's, it's not an honest one. And it's not someone who with a lot of empathy, you know, for, for the, yeah. the, the consequences of their actions. And it's so strange that we live in a time where the consequences are so visible, like more visible than ever, but we're also more desensitized than ever. Like, you know, it, w- whether it's the war on drugs or, or dragging people out of the churches and stuff, you're seeing live, basically live video, if not last 24 hours of people being brutalized for, you know, ideas. And we're, we're able to see it right then and there, or, you know, when people are like, oh, yeah, let's have a war. Fuck it. You know, th- those Russians are nasty, you know. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, you're seeing footage. You can watch the bombs being dropped Fuck, onto a yeah. onto a guy and you can see his face yeah, as, then, as an arm's you, blown off or something. Like, you can see all the shitty fucking Redditors commenting like, oh, you know, <laughs> like, oh, fuck that guy. Oh, you know, yeah. like, oh, it's like, just like Call it, of Duty. It's insane. It's just sacrilegious, man. It's it's. You know, it's funny, man, because if you look at the tyrants of history and you kind of you kind of alluded to this, and I think it's important, the tyrants of history have always been these type of people where, like Nathan mentioned, they've got these certain attributes to their characters. But they've kind of like when I read through history, I read the Stalins, the Mao's. There are these people that have a really good fucking idea and anyone else that thinks differently is wrong. And I've always said, I've always said wisdom is not being right. It's understanding that you could be wrong. And I think a lot of politicians and people in positions of authority, they, they never could concede that, right? So we had a, a point in time in Alberta where COVID restrictions meant that you, like, I can't remember the specifics of it, but it was a restriction on amount of people left in your house or amount of people you could, sorry, have meat in your house. But then a couple months later, they made an amendment where they said, oh, actually, if you need a support person, you can have like more people within your home. (laughs) And so right there, it was kind of this admission of like, ooh, we fucked up. Uh, This is actually the proper way to do it. But you'll never get an apology and you never have them acknowledge that. And it's like, okay, so if we could take a lesson if we could learn a lesson from this, it would be like, okay, you're acknowledging that the decisions you made were poor and that you have to make amendments to them. What decisions are we making now that are really fucking poor that we're going to have to make amendments to down the road, right? And again, it's people not acknowledging that they could be wrong. It's like, well, this is how I see it and that must be the fucking way because I'm smarter than you. And it's kind of this narcissistic, psychopathic uh, tendency of behavior, I guess we'll call it. But uh I don't know, yeah, see, scary shit, dude. 
Uh, the, the experts can't ever be wrong because then the authority could be perceived as being wrong in the first place, which undermines the whole thing. No matter the, the political position, if they can be wrong, then the whole thing might not be just, which is horrifically dangerous, and none of us would ever think such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> must be wearing pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how the pendulum swings, man. Like, I, I'm not an anarchist, but I'm certainly... Like I'm becoming the type of person that's like, oh, we'll I, get you there. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> my boy. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of of big government, man. Like I understand, in my opinion, government is a necessary evil, and it's certainly an evil, but it's necessary. But I mean, the the size to which it's grown recently. I mean, and you kind of alluded already to the the things happening in China, which is in itself a good argument to have firearms, man, because even someone that's a peaceful person that doesn't want to use them will probably be reaching for their gun if they had one when them and their families being removed by force into to a To be re-educated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man. <laughs> like, it's insanity that people can't look at what's going on around them and go, holy fuck, like, this is, this is insane. But that's the, that's the consensus is that that could never happen here, which ironically enough is the first step to having that happen here. <laughs> yes. But what do you tell people, right? Like no one's going to listen. No one's going to understand it. And I, I really truly believe that that meme holds some weight. It holds some truth to it. Like things are going to get much worse and maybe that's what it'll take. I mean, it, in a sense, as a society, as a whole, we're kind of responsible because we've allowed this to happen. I've always looked on these concentration camps in China. I've looked on with sympathy and be like, oh, those poor people. But like, did those people vote to have the firearms removed, like, you know, generations past when policy was made, not that China's ever really had a, you can own firearms policy, but you know what I mean? Generally speaking, the people that we would look at and have sympathy on for the things they're going through, did they actually unwittingly or not welcome that with open arms due to their either ignorance or their, you know, the way that they held their ideologies and then welcomed that into the government. And it, it kind of even plays on, you've probably seen these bumper stickers in, in Alberta, if you've ever been through here, the whole fuck Trudeau stickers. Oh, and I see them here. Dude, they're everywhere. <laughs> and the funny thing is it's Trudeau is like, I don't hold, I don't, I mean, I don't really have any anger or hatred in my heart towards that guy. He's just a reflection of our culture. If our culture was healthy, that guy wouldn't have received a single vote. He wouldn't be in power, but he's in power because of the reflection of our culture. So when I see these stickers that say, fuck Trudeau, it's basically like, fuck most of Canada is what you're saying, <laughs> right? Because it's just a reflection of who we are as a morally depraved society, right? Damn, man. <laughs> like, no, that that yeah. is interesting. Like, because, I mean, that is what a representative is, right? He is, that is, there's your yeah. representational government. It's a guy who's uh, like flipping the bird right back at the voter and saying, yeah. fuck you. I'm in charge. This is yeah. what you want. Yeah, we yeah. kind of made him, man. That's our monster. Like, you can't be really too mad at him. We made him, right? I mean, there's an yeah. old proverb I mean, in the... I, 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 I still hate him. I still hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, right? Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it, I'm not going to blame him for the problems of society, and I recognize he's a symptom, not a cause. But yeah. I'll still hate him. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even go so far as to say he's not a cause because there's, I mean, yeah. how many no, he, times has that guy had a town hall meeting where he's praised China's response to different things? And I mean, he's. I, I, I saw mean, the videos of those. It's fucking unreal. Dude, I was gonna crazy. say. I was gonna say earlier when you were talking about uh, being at war with China. I'm like, wouldn't Canada be? Aren't you guys allies? 
Dude, it's, so, it's so bad and that comment is so well deserved too i literally canadian forces just posted something on their instagram page and it was like i saw that the uh... singular chick that's like sharing a piece of paper of information with a dude who on his shoulder has <laughs> the, the chinese thing. what the fuck are you guys doing like yeah. <laughs> i mean she's a sig so she's probably not doing anything important right but still the fact remains <laughs> it, it jokes yeah, I don't know, man. It's bad. It's bad. I, I don't know. I mean, again, like, I don't know if we go into this whole thing where you look around, it's this global caliphate for a lack of a better term. Like, if you look at the last two years, even in the last six months, man, there just seems to be this rapid and rabid expansion of this global consensus of tyrannical rule. Right. And, you know, you could say maybe it's the WEF that's behind it or maybe, you know, if you were Kanye West, you'd, you'd incorrectly say the Jews. Right. And you'd, you'd just like there's different things that people try to try to uh, to blame on it. But there's certainly there's certainly something going on that even normal people would go. This is a this is a this is a unified effort, you know, and it's global and it's 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 beyond borders and it's beyond nationalities. Right. Well, I have to take a quick second and plug our World Economic Forum targets. You can get them if you subscribe yeah. to the Patreon. <laughs> we have uh, targets that do not look like Klaus Schwab. <laughs> Aren't those illegal in Canada? Can't you not have a target? I think my local gun range just sent out an email. They're like, you can't use targets that look like people. And A, fair enough. But B, I don't know. What did you think guns well, were the- for? Right, That whole argument. But. Uh, when when I say that they're targets, they are in they they are they are posters for your praise. Yeah, they are they, targets. Yeah. You put them on your wall and you go like, "Thank you, Klaus." I whatever yeah. you do with them is totally up to you. Yeah. I, I, it just happened to be eighteen inch wide from shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, so there, there happens to be a teen box in the face for yeah, no exactly. <laughs> just in case you want to practice your uh, your flaccid paralysis t slot shots, right? <laughs> just just for airsoft, of course. Yeah, uh, those still banned. Now. No, who even knows? No, 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 those are gone too. <laughs> I heard butter knives are going to be on the docket next for. for yeah, crazy, well, Britain's going to be more armed than you guys soon enough, dude. It's just that's, that's, crazy. that's wild. You know what though, man? Like I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of messages from because we do the apparel side of things at Wardall, right? And I get a lot of messages from RCMP guys, uh, you know, city police guys. I won't say what specific detachments, obviously, but a lot of dudes are wearing the support your local insurgency shirt under their Based. uniforms. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of dudes that, you know, and again, it's probably these older generation, like the old guard dudes that, you know, they stand for something, right? And God forbid the day when the entire force is made up of these 18-year-old in-doc dudes fresh out of university when they're 22, right? And they, right? But as it stands now, there's there's a big population of people within even that law enforcement community who are looking around going like, ah, something's, something's not right. You know, and even the fact that, like, if any of these dudes' identities came out that were, like, supporting Wardall, right? Like, it would be a... Would be oh, like, my God. Can yeah, you, imagine, you imagine the tribunal over wearing a shirt that says oh. support... I, I fucking love that. Dude, support uh, your local you, insurgency. You know but... we have on our store, the one that's just the first page of Ted Kaczynski's manifesto? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that wouldn't look great either. It, we... it, it wouldn't, but you know how many fucking people message being like, I wear this under my uniform. I have had multiple requests to make a tan version that people can wear under their uh, their tan camis. I'm sorry, um, who's who's this guy? Uh, wait, wait, wait! You've never heard of our uncle Ted? Uncle who? 
Uh, go, oh, go, oh, uh, he's, he's our uncle somewhere. from Montana. You you like to read, right? I love to read, buddy. All sorts of books. Yeah, tell, tell me the story. Uh, Give me up to date here. You should uh, just look look up, and you can read it online for free, um, yeah. or you can order the a copy. And we get no kickback on this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we just want you to read a good book. Yeah. Um, Industrial Society and Its Future by uh, Theodore Kaczynski. Okay, and what's the premise, basically? You have never heard of Theodore Kaczynski. Ed Kaczynski. I do. I feel like I have not. What's the? I'm missing out. I don't even live um, under a rock, man. Like I got. Yeah. Well, well, Kaczynski, advocated. Kaczynski advocated for living under rocks. He, yes, he was he very. He, he, well, <laughs> the industrial revolution and its consequences have been a disaster for the human race. Oh, that's the premise. Okay, yeah, that's that. That's how he starts. That's that's the first thing you'll ever hear from him. We've got a shirt with the very first page printed on it. Well, but, he's he's going to be in for a surprise when the fourth revolution happens, and we are the. The industrial revolution, the human so, genetic genome, all that shit, right? So, so since he was a he was a big advocate for essentially like technology has damned us to tyranny. Oh yeah, well so he, he he was like a live in the woods, leave me alone kind of guy. I think there's a lot of people that kind of support that lately. I I don't know about the rest of the book. I feel like we do. No, no, no. It, it gets and his actions, his actions outside of the book. Are also <laughs> a bit crazy, so very right? well known for some some reasons that I won't get into here. You, I can't give him a Google. Five, yeah, you'll give him a Google five minutes after this and be like, oh, yeah, or you can watch one of, like, one of like the three films made about him. Dude, yeah, crazy, I think the, the most recent on Netflix, starring Charlotte Copley. Man, I'm, I, dude, I kind of do live under a rock. Like Nathan was asking me if I had a gaming headset. And I'm like, dude, I still have my Xbox 360, bro. Like I am fucking out of the loop, dude. Like I'm not, right? I'm like, I'm busy reading. I'm trying to catch up on Stalin. You guys are way the fuck ahead of me. I'm, I, I, it's I, taken me this long to like go through this amount of history. I haven't caught up. Skip Stalin. Jump to Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Ted, he, he's, a, he's an American-born ideologue. <laughs> when did this hilarious. book get, get published? Well, not published. You know, originally it was published in the Washington Post under threat <laughs> of uh, creating other incidents, uh, yeah, tickling yeah, yeah, yeah. some other people if he didn't if they didn't publish his manifesto. Let me find out. Um, this is the longest we've talked about Ted on this podcast. This about, is. You know, I I want him down. on. I want him on. There's no he's way we would get him. On. He's well. He's Holy dying of cancer. He's fuck. dying of cancer in a cell. Look at this dude. Yeah. Holy shit. He looks so <laughs> bonkers. I feel like I don't want to read his book on account of that face. If if you read his book, I you would swear it was written like. Oh, it's the fucking year. Unabomber. <laughs> I have never. Okay, this is hilarious. I've never heard his real name. I've always just heard the Unabomber. And you know what? That's okay. the problem. They're dehumanizing him. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. Okay, yeah, I know who the fucking Unabomber is. Ted Kaczynski. I'm like, yeah, this sounds like the dude that like cleans my house. Ted Kaczynski. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> The Unabomber. Okay. Yeah. Yes, but but in all seriousness, his book. Uh, you should read it. Like like so it's outside of his like like being real. real. It's very being tough. real. Yeah. Outside of his actions, he did yeah. nail a lot of kind of yeah. the uh, the direction that society was going in with in terms of like technology will eventually enslave us. You know, kind of like the yeah. internet and yeah, and the surveillance state and all of that kind of thing and and even um like CRISPR genetic stuff. He was yeah. saying like that that's gonna fuck humanity he wasn't saying CRISPR specifically but kind yeah. of um you know 
humans fucking with our own genome and stuff will damn us. Yeah. And all that it's, kind of thing. it's something that, like, it's funny because it's not something that's unique to any one individual like this. Again, if you look at the scriptures, like you look through Revelation, like we've known for thousands of years, like when the Apostle Paul wrote this book on, on Patmos, he said, hey, you're going to get to a point where there's a one world government, there's a one world currency, and you're going to receive a mark in your right hand or forehead. And you won't be able to buy, sell, trade, or exist basically without it, right? So you got a dude writing that, right, in the first century basically, and you extract that into day, today's time, right? I mean, you look at, you know, I don't know if it's going to be Bitcoin or whatever this digital currency is, but it's certainly not inconceivable to say that you could be digitally canceled based upon yeah. whether or not you submit to this global caliphate or new world order, whatever the hell you want to call it right now. All these terms, right, have kind of been have been uh, hijacked, right? Because you say new world order and you sound like Alex Jones. Or you say global caliphate and you sound like some some bonkers imam right but it's like ah, i think even normal people recognize that there's something going on like we mentioned it's kind of accelerated lately and it's not inconceivable to think that you know like we you talking about CRISPR, and we're talking about elon elon musk doing this Neuralink thing it's like at what point are things going to get so fucking diabolical that there's just no you know there's no saving it there's no redeeming it there's no coming back from it right no, it it's it's strange because at the minute it's so hard to keep up. I doing doing shows like this, it's like what the fuck do we talk about this week? It's not it's not for a lack of content or a lack yeah. of things going yeah. on. It's like what what's important, what is just bullshit, and what is actually like, genuinely going to affect how we progress as as people. Yeah, dude, it's nuts. Like I I don't uh, I don't know, man. You look at the whole Twitter <laughs> thing, and and it's cool, right? Because like oh, it's 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 probably as free speechy for a lack of a better term it's probably the only platform that really actually supports anything even remotely close to free speech but the irony of it is it's not really free speech anyway because alex jones is an example you can say what you want about him and you're probably right but the fact that elon's like nah he's not allowed on here it's like well they came for alex jones but i wasn't a conspiracy theorist so i said nothing right and if they can yeah. cancel him, they'll cancel anybody and it's like i don't think you people understand what free speech means it means anything uh, you know, outside of a direct call for violence, it's anything, right? I've had conversations with people. I remember, uh, I think it was, what was that app that came out when Getter first came out? They're like, are you going to be on there? I was like, I don't know, man. I try to diversify the social media portfolio. I might peek around. And somebody said, well, there's Nazis on there. And I was like, so let them be Nazis. And when they say a bunch of stupid shit, people realize it's stupid shit. And then yeah. that's it. Let them say their stupid shit. Right. If they're like, hey, we're going to kill the Jews at this location at this time, like now we got a fucking problem. But if they just want to have their, you know, insane ideas, how come they can have them or how come they can't have them? And how come WEF can have their bug eating, you know, bonkers ideas like we have to let everyone say stuff. And naturally, the cream will rise to the top. The people that are making sense and are logical and and and. Uh, you know, have have tolerant attitudes of love and kindness like that will naturally gravitate into society. So why are we trying to suppress all the other bullshit? It doesn't help that everything Alex Jones says, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of the stuff he says keeps happening, right? Like that dude called the Ukrainian crisis at one point to the month. And he's like, <laughs> you remember back in the day where he's like, oh, the Bohemian Grove and people were like, nah, you're crazy. Well, it you turns out. 
Remember the turning the frogs gay, which actually was happening. <laughs> that, that, that was one of his earliest vindications, and and then from there I was just like, ah, fuck, another one, another yeah. one, another one. <laughs> yeah, man, like you can so again, you can say what you want about the dude, and you're probably right, but like you have to just let people say their piece. It's a free society, man. The moment you don't let someone speak out, especially digitally, man, we're entering a time where if you get canceled digitally, like that's that's a big deal. That's that's life or death, literally. Like, perhaps maybe not now, but in ten or fifteen years from now, if you get canceled digitally, you're done. You're, you've been made a non-citizen. And we kind of saw that with the Freedom Convoy protests in Canada, where they canceled people's, uh, you know, they froze people's bank accounts. Yeah, that I was, was, was going to say, you, you guys got the first taste of that uh, calm trade and all of that. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> Dude, to talk about insane. that when you said uh, the the whole idea of you have to use this currency or. You know, we'll, we'll block you. You know, we'll, we'll block your finances. You have to, you know, be a good little citizen or you won't be able to pay for anything. We've seen yeah. it. It happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like within recent memory. And yeah. th- this is just the start. Oh, dude, it's only going to get worse. I mean, we, there was like single mothers that donated like five bucks to this GoFundMe campaign for the Freedom Truckers. And then their account was froze. And then what? And, and you know, the only reason the accounts got unfrozen and the Emergencies Act got revoked was because the banks went to Trudeau, and this is kind of anecdotal, this is things I've heard through the grapevine, we'll call it. The banks went to Trudeau and said, there is a enormous volume of cash being withdrawn nationally. You need to like revoke this act and unfreeze these accounts, or we're going to run out of fucking money. It's going to collapse the system, because as you know, <laughs> most of the money in our system is digital. It doesn't actually exist. If everyone in Canada went to the bank machine and took their cash out, there would not be enough cash. Not yeah. even close. I think it's like 70, maybe 60 to 80%. I can't remember the exact numbers, but 60 to 80% of the cash in circulation doesn't actually exist. It's just digital, right? And so that was a big pressure. It wasn't like this guy was like, oh, let's quash this Freedom Convoy. Okay, we did a good job. Let's close it. It was like, I think a lot of pressure from the banks saying like, we're going to have a real problem with our system unless you kind of stop this. Because there's people I know that were like, I'm taking 500 bucks out. There's yeah, people I know that are like, I'm taking twenty fucking thousand dollars out of my bank. Yeah, like, I took money. I, 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 uh, I turned yeah, it yeah. into, you know, non-tangible assets. Um, That's right. Yeah, You're buying up. Uh, people are buying gold and silver, and uh, I'm buying lead and brass. If you know what I mean, those are the yeah. heavy metals I'm investing in. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the isn't that the wildest thing? Like. So, a side note on all of that, you know, everyone's pulling out their cash. A lot of it's fucking paper notes for like for for what? Like it's. If you go to the other side of the earth and you try and give someone a, a Canadian dollar, they're going to be like, it's fucking paper to me, yeah. man. Like, I, 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 like, what even is this thing? Yeah, yeah. Like, g- g- give me some metal that, you know, I can melt down and there's some value in it. But you guys, like, you're, and this is, you know, America, England, everywhere that uses this kind of system. Like, yeah. you, your real cash is fucking fiat. Like, you know, you've got nothing when you pull out all of your, <laughs> all of your real money from, it's so fucking, like, fake. Like yeah. you've got yeah. digital money, and then your real money is receipts for gold, and then there's no actual gold backing yeah, the notes. Act anymore. Like, you can see that with credit cards, man. If your credit card gets stolen and you get a you know fraudulent charge on there, they'll just cancel the card, give you a new one, and it's a non-issue. Yeah. If your debit account, like if your checking account has money, like someone gets the card or whatever happens, if it, the money gets removed from that, they don't just give it back to you. It's like an investigation. It's like a big thing. And maybe a couple months later, you'll maybe get your money back if they can like work through this investigation and prove it was fraudulent, whatever. But with the credit card, obviously it's just fake money. It's like, whatever. 
get your fucking money back. It doesn't matter, right? So the whole yeah. system is is built to fail, right? I mean, it's a it's a giant financial. Uh, how far down the rabbit hole do we go, right? Like we're in a you, situation. We've gone pretty far, man. We're not finding a way back out, right? Because when I talk to, for example, college students, I'll say, what's what's the biggest threat to a society? Well, it's it's communism, certainly. But if I'm talking to individuals, enlightened individuals like yourselves, I, I would reference, I'm sure you've heard of um, Christopher Hitchens, right? You guys heard of Christopher Hitchens? So he's basically this like, polymath super intelligent dude uh, he's kind of like jordan peterson but for oh, fucking heathens wait what, was he the uh no never mind i'm thinking of someone else he's died now he died of cancer years back but anyway long story short super intelligent guy uh like i said he's kind of the jordan peterson figure but for heathens i love the guy i think he's super intelligent hates the catholic church uh, anyway long story short yeah, excuse me his last words on his deathbed were capitalism downfall a lot, of people, yeah, a lot of people had a very hard time understanding that. What what I think he meant was capitalism fully realized means that the government are just power brokers and the people that really make the decisions are corporations. And the people that really make the decisions are the people that own the money, the banks, right? Because as we know, even in Canada and the US, the Federal Reserve is not federal. It's a private oh, yeah. bank, right? And so that's the situation where right? it's like, how far down do you go? Well, communism is bad, but at least with communism, you know who your enemy is capitalism fully realized and, and not to say capitalism doesn't have immense benefits especially as it relates to communism and certainly less of a body count than communism right 300 million people was it over the last hundred some years but when it comes down to it man you see that right now where the people that are making decisions there are these private companies there are these private banks and the government just kind of goes along with that and i would say that the proof is in the pudding in terms of look at the covid response it was so unanimous across nations and borders. There obviously had to be a structure set in place where these these decisions were made in a in a way that wasn't just like, oh, okay, one government does it. We should probably do what they're doing. Now nah, this is way too coordinated, man. This was a decision that was made outside of a government system that was obviously, in a way, if not controlling, certainly steering the policy of governments, right? But again. We're pretty deep, boys. I don't know if we're going to come back out of this hole, right? But that's that's the nature of the beast we're living in. Like, who the hell's the enemy anyway, right? No, it, like I was saying earlier, it's wild to know what the fuck to talk about these days. Because there's, there's so much. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. And there's so many things that are like, some, some are inconsequential and they're just crazy happenings. And some are like, this, you know, our, our whole view of where the world's at could shift in a couple of months at this rate. It's... Yep. Who fucking knows? <laughs> it's dark times, man. Like it's, it, I get so many messages from people that are just like, what the fuck do we do? And it's just genuinely concerned people. And it's like, I, you're asking me, I'm just a dude with a mustache. First of all, I don't know <laughs> what the fuck we're doing. Like, right. You're coming to me for advice. I always tell people the same thing. I'm like, bro, there's a, it, and it's kind of nice. There's this traditional movement where it's like, find a wife, have kids, read your Bible, go to the gym. And it's, it's kind of like, there's a good, there's certainly a good start, but there's a lot of people that are reaching out being like, what do we do? And it's like, man, you, you got to start building your community because it's a dark world out there. And the further down this rabbit hole you go, it's scary shit, man. It's, oh. it's always been this way. It's always been a dog eat dog world. It's always been predators and there's always something bigger than you, but certainly in this day and age, it's more important now than ever to build community and have like-minded individuals and, and, and even the communities you build with people that aren't as like-minded as you, 
showing compassion to the man. Like it's, it's a thing where even in Canada, it used to be different, but lately it's like, Oh, you're left wing, you're right wing. It's like, man, we probably have a lot more in common than you think. And maybe we should just be nice to each other because the real problems are not you and I, the real problems are the people that are trying to pit you and I against each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's terrifying how far it's come with that stuff. Yeah. Like, talking about it we, we talk about that with a lot of guests these days and i'm glad to talk about it you know yeah. it's it's an important message like well getting out getting out of that tribalism box no, mindset dude yeah and it's it's important because you look at the revolutions of the past like especially in 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 britain for example any of these revolutions and and even in the states you look at the state's history it was always in the pubs in the taverns <laughs> these revolutions happened right and and first they came and said you couldn't meet in churches anymore. And at one point the bars were closed as well. And it was like, man, community is important. And that means being able to hang out with your friends. It means being able to go to church, whatever religion you are. It's like, and again, if we don't as a society understand the vital importance of these things, we're just going to get picked off, man. Like if you, if you think of it as like a, a, a wolf pack, right? Let's say we're the wolves, right? Or the sheep or whatever. We're a pack of animals. You don't want to be on the fringe. You don't want to be on the outside. That's where the predators get you. You want to be in tight, in your group, surrounded by a bunch of people, right? Anytime you turn on National Geographic or there's some bison that's being chased by some <laughs> predator and the one just like takes a hard right and he's all by himself and he gets devoured, right? It's like, <laughs> that's why community is important. Like we have to be in close community with each other, right? And even, even going a step further, as you build community, you realize, and not to harp on this, but you realize that a lot of people, even if they're in different you know, leanings of the political spectrum or religious spectrum, we're mostly the same. We're just people. We all bleed red, right? And I don't want to sound like too much of a bleeding heart, right? Because it's what we bleed for that separates us, right? So I'm not saying, you know, I don't want to be too fucking Hakuna Matata here. But I really think community is important for all those things I mentioned, man. It's to get people together, realize we're not so different. And to really feel connected to something. And, and again, there's a traditional movement that's going on. And I love it, man. It's like, get to church, hit the gym, find a wife, have six kids. I love it. It's, it's the good stuff, right? Whereas before that, the heroes of our culture were Dan Bilzerian and, and all these guys that were like, oh, one night stands with Instagram malls. Like, which way, Western man? No, Ooh, seriously. Right? Lust and sensual gratification or the paths of righteousness? And, and certainly I'm trying to do my part with Wardall to kind of foster that, uh, that culture that's pursuing the paths of righteousness, but it's important, man, especially, especially now. I, I think there is great opportunity. Like you were saying earlier, like it, it's a good thing that I think this weird time that we're in is happening kind of at the right time. Like we, we are, you know, we're kind of the generations that are coming off the end of the the internet being the wild west and like we can see that it's changing and that that alone is like a good indicator of what's happening it's being policed more we kind of see that we don't have as much of a ability to spread information as we used to and it's like oh shit that was kind of important like we've yeah. seen entire entire countries like egypt was changed by a facebook revolution oh you know? dude yeah like 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 thing things like that all over south america although sai is probably involved in most of that you know like so, social media is and just the the internet connectivity we have all over the world is so important like we're, we're sending 3d you know not us rcmp fucking you guys <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. what you're up to right it's not 
It's you. Know, it's you. It's you. Own it. <laughs> it's just us. It's just us. <clears throat> no, people. You know, people are sending like 3D gun files to Myanmar and all over the place. Oh to yeah, pe- pe- People who need to arm themselves. You know, like and without that, we'd be a bunch of isolated peasants fighting the blue bloods all over the planet. You know, oh, Wh- whether that, whether it's ideologically or otherwise, like you know, trying to keep that boot off your neck. Like it's it's so important for people to be realizing that these tools are kind of our generations. They need to be protected and we need to be very aware of, of what's being kind of messed with right now. Oh, dude, the internet's so important because it kind of plays on what I'm saying. It's, it's a community digitally where we maybe don't have these intimate connections and relationships, but we're sharing information and it's a community in that sense. And it's super critical. And they're kind of trying to police that with all these, I don't know how it is in the States, but in Canada, they're policing that so hard with all these bills. They're, they're uh, putting into whatever fucking government name, parliament, you know, legislate, whatever. It's all bullshit to me. They're just really <laughs> trying to police the government, but it, it's the truth, man. Like it, it's a community of knowledge and it's so important. And even, even to touch on what you said at the beginning of that is you don't really realize how important it is until it's gone. And I found that personally in my walk with Christ, because like I would go to church on Sunday, like a good Christian man, but I wouldn't go every Sunday. I'd like go every, you know, I'd miss every other week or, you know, I had to work, I'm a busy guy, right? Whatever. But when they took that away and they were like, you can't go to church. I really, you know, in those weeks and maybe even was it months at one point where they were closing down churches, I really realized how important that community was to me. And now that it's back, I'll fucking hold on to that with an ironclad death grip and you have to pry it from my dead hands (laughs) you know what i mean so when you have something removed from you you realize the true value of it and i think that's been a if any silver lining through this whole tyrannical authoritarian totalitarian bullshit if there's any silver lining to it it, it's that people have realized what's important because when it was taken away they saw the value of it and hopefully we won't give it up again whether it's you know the covid bullshit or it's we got to close down your church and your bars because of uh the climate or something, whatever it is next, right? Who who fucking knows? But it it's important now, and people are realizing it. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, it's about damn time, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I figured we kind of probably wrap up, but uh, we we didn't we barely touched on a war doll. We were just we were just, just <laughs> Dude, there's so much shit, so much shit happening in Canada. We're like, all right, let's set the world yeah. right, and then we'll get to to what you're doing. But yeah, um, yeah. ten podcasts about all this bullshit, right? Yeah. <laughs> plug yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, man. So war doll started in 2015. Uh, it started small, man. I just started making apparel, kind of uh, out of a we'll call it my my creative passions. It was kind of just an outlet for that. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, having served in the military for three years, uh, when I, when I released, is that, are you getting a door knock? <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, okay, let me just grab my chunk and uh, hold on. Let's see if we see some. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is all my fault, dudes. As no. soon as you guys invited me on this podcast, you were at the fucking top of the red list. CSIS has got me, they got me on my, like the personal, my cell phone number on the, you know what I mean? Like I'm the <laughs> top of the list, buddy. Top, top of the spicy boy list. Are you going to jail, Nathan? What's going on, bro? Oh, oh yes, yeah. I, I am going to jail. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I totally got distracted there. I was honestly wondering if you were getting door knocked, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so 
as I mentioned, Wardall started in 2015. It was just a creative outlet for me to make apparel. And then uh, I served three years as an infantryman. When I released, I went to film school. And it kind of just developed into this. I kind of fell into this niche where companies needed media production created. And they needed people familiar with firearms. But they also needed someone who actually knew cameras and had been professionally educated in this realm. So it kind of turned into a media production thing as well. And so that's kind of been the, that's kind of been the primary focus of Wardall is this media production and American companies love us, man, because we'll go into the Rockies, right? Like we're up there, we're eight to 10,000 feet up in the mountains and we're taking photos in these wild austere conditions. And a lot of the American geography, like they can't even fathom that these conditions exist. I'm like, yeah, man, my camera doesn't work at some point. I'm taping, <laughs> I'm taping heat packs around it because it's literally 42 below with the wind chill. And, but it makes for hella great media production, right? So that's kind of been doing that since 2015. I did it as a kind of a part-time hobby. And then in the last, I think, four years, it took off to the point where I had to decide, am I doing this as a career or am I sticking with the safe nine to five I had? So I, I quit my nine to five and did this. And uh, Hell yeah got some homies that we uh that we hire on contract to do the the video production with and help out with the screen printing and apparel and everything in between and and honestly it kind of it's even deeper than that because it's an artistic outlet but for me I really saw a gap I saw a a place in the culture where something was missing in terms of morality and even deeper than that religion and I'm not saying everybody that follows Wardall is Christian because they're certainly not. And I would say most of my <laughs> homies aren't. And I appreciate a good heathen, right? But there's certainly a place for, we'll call it the paths of righteousness, right? Where where if you can look at the Holy Scriptures of the Bible and you can learn foundational principles of protecting the weak and uh, and different, so many different stories throughout the Scriptures that talk about, you know, how to be a warrior. I mean, you look at King David. He had his 300 mighty men. That was the original soft force, man. That was the original special forces. That was small unit tactics thousands of years before anybody had a PDF and and wrote about such things, right? And so there's certainly a a, a niche in this culture. And you guys have seen it, right? There's a dark side to it. There's a lot of occult type shit and it's warranted, right? It's a dark industry. And warfare is is a nasty thing. But there's certainly been a lot of people that have have appreciated what I'm trying to do where it's kind of more of a religious direction to it, where I'm just trying to get back to the traditional Christian values, man. And the real ones, not the bullshit, right? The real ones where it's like, love your neighbor, man, do good to those who hurt you, you know, help the weak. None of this whole, you know, and not to say I don't have stances on these issues, but a lot of people see Christians and they just see them with picket signs protesting certain things. It's like, all right, like maybe there's a time and a place in terms of, political discourse for the you know the direction of this nation but in day-to-day society you just gotta love people man and and i'm kind of trying to in an ironic way propagate that type of mentality within the warrior culture because i mean there's an old saying and i'm actually making it into a t-shirt in the new year but the saying goes tender hearts violent hands and i think that's a key in this culture where you know, again, you have to be, you have to not love violence, but be capable of it, be pretty fucking good at it. But at the same time, you have to be a well-rounded individual. You have to be a loving, caring person, take care of the weak. 
You know, if, if you're given the ability to be strong and you have certain talents, well, use it for somebody else instead of your own personal gain, right? So that's kind of what War Dolls become. If you go on the website there, there's kind of a church section that talks about different things as it relates to, you know, Christian morality and how that's maybe helping us shape the nation. And again, I'm not one of these dudes. It's like, oh, I wish we had a theocracy where the Pope is like our president. Like, fuck that noise, right? Separ- yeah. <laughs> separation of church and state, certainly, right? But again, uh, we talked about this earlier. There's a reason if you shoplift, we don't chop your hand off like they do in some of these Middle Eastern nations because foundationally, our society as a whole has been founded on Christian Judeo beliefs. I mean, that's right in the Chart of Rights and Freedoms, man. The first line says, whereas Canada is founded upon the principles to recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. And the idea that they're putting forth there is that without God, who the hell's to say what's right and what's wrong, right? Because you look at the days of the Caesars in times past, a guy would rule with his, his own morality. And then, then he would die and someone else would come along and they would change the thing. And you'd have one empire persecuting Christians. Then you'd have Constantine coming along inventing fucking Christmas. <laughs> so it was just like, maybe we can stop the pendulum swing and, and base our foundation, like our, our morality, base our nation off these principles that respect all religions, that respect all peoples, that respect foundational human rights. And, and unfortunately, when they were penning that chart of rights and freedoms, they forgot to put firearms and the importance of the only <laughs> such things in there. And, and unfortunately, it's why Canada probably won't last another 150 years. But I mean, for the time being, it is what it is, and that's that's what Wardall's up to, man. Hell yeah, I love it. We're gonna kind of wrap it up there. Uh, yeah, buddy. Any dad advice? Dad advice, eh? Okay. Did you, did, you, did you know it was coming? No, I. So, <laughs> dad, he, actually, I heard I heard Adam giving dad advice. Is that there you go. okay? Because yeah, okay. So, are yeah, you we, guys we dads? Or is this? Am I going to be judged heavily? Uh, it, it's a it's a totally original bit that was not ripped off from anyone else. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no it, it, it's like for whatever reason, the lads. Even before I was I was on here hosting, it's it's like a long time thing we've been doing. Just yeah, we, we did it once to rip it off, Mike, and then it just stuck. I I, I just like it, you know. <laughs> it's important fathers are the foundation of society man dad oh, yeah, man. this is important okay i'm gonna say something smart and not stupid here i think <laughs> for one i would say as a society there needs to be more fathers like i like this whole idea where unfortunately society's like find this solid 10 this beautiful blonde and have this relationship travel the world it's like fuck that noise find some good woman who cares if she's ugly or not she's a hell of a cook that's a plus one point right just find somebody that's a good woman that loves you and that you love and have a bunch of kids like so there's my first advice is to become a father because I, I, i never thought much about being a father until i became one and there is nothing you know, and not to say that my relationship with my wife isn't the most important thing because it is, because at some point the kids I have will be out of the house and it'll be me and my wife left. That's, that's, that's the fire team partner right there. That's the most important relationship. But I mean, man, when you have kids, it's, it's something else, man. Like my little dude, he looks like me. He's got my name on him in a way. It's kind of redemption because the way you know, different things I went through in my childhood, I can protect him from that. And I can also give him the childhood I always kind of wished I had. Not that I'm, you know, baby and I'm right. You got to raise these kids tough. Right. But I think if I were to give some dad advice, man, it's just savor every moment because it goes by so quick. And any fathers listening will understand that, man. Like 
one day they're not walking and all of a sudden they're running and all of a sudden they're talking smack back to you. And it, it happens fast, man. And so just soak it up, be there. And as a father, I think presence is important, right? Because none of us are going to do a good job. We're going to fuck a lot of shit up. But if you're just there, if you're just there and you're present, that's important, man. If you're around the dinner table, right? My father always told me that growing up. was, And he made a point to say this repeatedly. He said, if I die at work, they will have my job reposted in a week. But if I die at the dinner table, that seat is irreplaceable. You can't put anyone else in there, right? And so I think that's my dad advice, man. Realize the importance of it. Be about it and just be present. How's that? Oh, yeah. that? How was that good? That, that, was, that was actually Hell really man. good dad advice. My, my oh, dad wow, advice, good. like the dad advice from last week was like, buy a Caltech KSG because it's awesome <laughs> or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. no. That, I think this is this is a lot more useful. Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, buy firearms, certainly. Like I'm trying to figure out how I can equip my little dude because I'm pretty sure 18 years down the road, he's going to, He's going to need a firearm, so we got to get some Daniel Defense shit going for him, too. But <laughs> fair enough, boys. Based. No, nice. I love it. Well, it was an absolute pleasure, you handsome devils, getting to know you guys. It was uh, a <laughs> real beauty. We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll at some point Nathan cross paths, and uh, Bobby will convert you to the paths of righteousness, you fucking heathen. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you can try. You can try. Uh, I'm uh... <laughs> I, I'm enjoying the the land of sin down here. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I, yeah. I'm, I'm on my way to, to the cottage in the middle of nowhere with the with the lady. So we'll, good, we'll be good. living a bit more wholesome than than most. Oh yes. boy, good to hear, man. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I, yeah, I thanks really for coming on. Uh, one Pleasure last piece you, of dad advice: read Industrial Society in Future by Dad. <laughs> Bro, Goodbye. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I will. Yeah, you, you, you you pass on that. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna link it here in the chat. Okay, yeah, bye. Just in case, just in case. <laughs>